0: a world where monsters have taken their place among cinematic history. But who are the real monsters? Are they the scaly creatures that haunt our nightmares? Or are they the person you see every day, just casually walking down the street? What happens when man outweighs the monster on the screen and creep into our lives and dreams? With our co-hosts Joe Radazzo, Vicky Ray, and Keith Shago, they will uncover who are the real m- villains as we explore the classic cinema, along with some modern greats, and find the monster within us. Hello, welcome to Literal License Podcast's M&M Madness and Monster Week, and we'll be covering two films, the first film being Double Indemnity and Basic Instinct. And before we get started, let's find out who's with us. we got Joe Randezza with us. Hello, Joe. Hey, everyone and we got vicky ray with us hello vicky
1: hello everybody
0: and i'm your host Keshaw. And before we get started let's find out what we've been up to and happy thanksgiving to our american cousins starting with you joe what have you been up to
2: well since the uh since the last show i uh, i i worked all weekend and then i've been sick ever since i this has been the worst uh been the worst year of uh of my life as far as just
1: uh catching just, shit
2: yeah, just catching <laughs> constant. Yeah, like, really every like eight weeks, I've I've caught something new that's knocking yeah. the shit out of me.
1: I, I feel uh, you.
2: So yeah, I've been uh uh spent most of the day, most of the last couple of days in bed. Got all the movies in uh, yesterday. I wanted to slip in, just to be a completist. I wanted to slip in Basic Instinct two, and I. And I Last night uh, I, I got both movies in. It was already like three a.m. I was like, I gotta go to bed.
1: I told you the <laughs> second one stunk. That's what I've heard, but what the I hell? What it I, I, don't
0: I don't even know, it. know if I. I don't even know if I saw it actually.
1: Uh, no, I'll, it, they said I'll it bombed. They said it, anyway. it bombed at the box office, but I've never seen it, so I don't go by that anymore. Doesn't bomb unless I say it bombs. <laughs> did,
2: it even, did it even play in theaters or did it go direct to video?
1: I don't know. I'm just for
2: some, just reason, I, I, for some reason
0: I want I just want to say they want direct to video but I could be wrong. For some oh, reason it okay. just seems like a. it just seems like something I saw on the blockbuster shelf and I didn't even know it was out sort of thing. I think there, I had that's my ver, that's my remembering back thing but I could I mean it could have gone to. something.
3: Oh
1: it's bit. on Tubi.
2: Yeah that's what I, that's where I found it. I was like okay I might I might check it out but I didn't get a chance. Box Office,
1: it made 36 million. Its budget was 70 million.
2: Oof, that's a bomb.
0: Yeah. Well, you what you're not gonna buy the 4K Blu-ray. <laughs> 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 and what about yourself, Vix? What have you been up to?
1: Well, like Joe, every time I get healthy, I catch something else. It was RSV two weeks ago. Now we're all fighting flu. But uh, no, I I haven't been really doing too much, just trying to do the holiday thing and just trying to keep things light and happy. But uh, what did I watch? I I finally watched Pearl. Love, 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 love. Mia Goss. Oh, yes. Exceptional in it. I mean, I, I would like to actually see a nomination come for this one. We will see. They don't usually ever put these kind of movies with that vibe. But the acting was tremendously huge on her part. I mean, especially where the, you know, she's explaining stuff and she's crying and stuff like her little soliloquy that right Poor there the should the got it for, you Poor know what end I mean? The movie, yeah, yeah, it was, it was just excellent. I mean, it was I watched it twice. <laughs> I loved that. Watched it twice. Turn it back on and watch the gangs. I was afraid I missed something. And um, then I watched finally Top Gun Maverick. It is probably one of the best movies I have ever seen, literally in a long time. Straight from big from big budget Hollywood. That's all I can say. But it's not you know like an indie film. I love, but it's, it's very rare when Hollywood puts out a big budget newbie that I actually like, and they actually did it. So I
2: it got was, I have to revisit that too because I like it when I was in the theater, and I wanted uh, you know I want to make sure I want to rewatch it again at home and see if it holds up just as well as it did in the theater.
1: Yeah. And um, then I watched A Christmas Story, Christmas, whatever, I think that's what it's called But Ralphie gets his older, and he's got his own family and his own set of problems and shit he has to deal with on holidays. (laughs) And it was just nice to see all the old friends had grown up, you know, and they were still screwing with each other, even in middle age. But I mean, there's a lot of good movies out there. I mean, I could sit there and say, I watched this and watched that, but. I mean, there, there's so much out there right now. It's hard to even remember how much shit I've watched, but there's a lot of good stuff out there floating around right now.
2: Yeah, I've, I've been saying for a, a week now I have to watch Smile because that's on Paramount+. Possible. Oh, I
1: loved it. I don't know why everybody hated on it so much. I won't tell I you. Gotta, about- I
2: got to check it out. I got to check that out. I, I gotta loved check it. Out, um, I got to check out A Christmas Story Christmas. Uh, James Gunn's new Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special just dropped today. I haven't seen that Plus. yet either. Um,
1: James Gunn's moved up into the big time.
2: Oh yeah, Troma <laughs> Boy does does well now. He's basically in charge of Warner. I bet you, just,
1: Mr. Kaufman's all excited about that.
2: Oh, Lloyd's super proud yeah. of him. Um, yeah, there's that. I, I want I want to see that. Uh, I saw the first episode of Wednesday yesterday. Um, I
1: started watching it and something happened, but it looked really good. I was getting into it.
2: This is a much darker tone of the Addams family than I'm used to.
1: It's very so, dark. It's like, yeah. I mean, she's so cute and so innocent and yet so I mean, liably evil.
0: I mean, if, if, you, if you look at the actress, I mean, she was an ex, wasn't she?
1: She was no. an ex.
2: She was in Scream. She's, yeah, mm-hmm. she's in quite a few things right now. She seems to be, her and Mia Goth seem to be the two horror Stop it girls. Up and right? coming.
0: Well, I liked bad, it. I've, I've watched. I watched three episodes of it. Four, three or four episodes of it so far, and I'm I'm loving it. The writing is spot on. The characters are spot on. There's a good performance. I was unsure about the Gomez and Pugsley and Morticia, but luckily, you know, they're in it because it's, it's really hard to vi- envision any anyone outside of Raul, Julia and Ca- and and Angel- they're not
1: really in the F- forefront either
0: yeah but I'm saying that's why I think that's why it works. I don't know if i I think if they had more of a part in it i I might have been left me out because I mean she's brilliant as Wesley Adams Christina Ritchie is right. fantastic in it again, another fantastic performance, especially after her yellow jackets performance yeah. as well but um but yeah it's, I found i it's really hard to fill in the shoes of um, Angelica Houston and Raul Julia really it is it is yeah
1: that but, is those are really some big
0: shoes, so. You know and you know I, I didn't find i didn't find morticia adams in the pilot or the first episode to be as dark as the morticia that we're used to she seemed to be more maternal so.
1: yeah well she was it's, always maternal just in a black dark kind of weird way. yeah
0: but but this time i mean this time i mean she's getting you know she's a bit like you know, when Wednesday says her thing, she's normally like quite proud of the, the the darkness of Wednesday. And this time, she seemed a bit hurt by the darkness of the Wednesday. So it's kind of odd. So, but saying that, it wasn't horrible. I mean, who's directing not it,
1: that series?
0: Tim Burton oh. himself. Tim Burton's yeah, doing Tim it. So, but I'm loving it. So I think it's fantastic.
2: Also, Catherine Zeta-Jones seems to have not aged two decades. She doesn't age. She looks the same as she did when that entrapment movie came out. I was amazed when I saw her yesterday.
0: Well, that's so because she's been, she... that's because she's been sucking out she's been sucking out the life force of Michael Douglas.
1: <laughs> You're evil. <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
0: he 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 started to look really. I mean, I saw him in a, when oh, I'm cancer. No, I'm saying, but he's, he's looking, I mean, he's, his father looks better <laughs> than he did when he died. And his father was, when before his father died. But he's he smokes really like struggling. a chimney
1: still,
0: I think. Yeah. But I'm saying that, I mean, I saw, you know. Yeah. We'll, well, I mean, uh, we'll get I mean, to Michael Douglas later. But.
2: According to him, you know, you know how he got the throat cancer. Smoking. Yeah.
0: No. Sex addiction.
2: Yeah, he's, he says he got, he got the throat cancer from eating pussy.
1: Yeah. No, he did not say that. Did he? he really did. say did. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Which, yeah,
1: which is why,
2: which is why last night while rewatching don't Basic Instinct, don't be scaring Instinct, the
1: menfolk up in America here, Joe. Shut up. I was, I, was <laughs> sitting, I was
2: sitting watching Basic Instinct last night, and I'm like, up oh, right there, right there. That's where he got that's,
1: it. That's it where
2: he got from. it from. Right there.
0: That's where he got it. Right there. Mm. Yeah. I'll go more into him <laughs> later. So. <laughs> so um what have i been up to i haven't been up to a lot just watching telly got my got my christmas tree up and stuff did that while i had time i found myself a little bit of time between editing two shows i had to go out but um and then um just work and caught wednesday loving wednesday and the new series of elites out so started watching that and finished dead to me with christina Applegate and linda Canalini beautiful a great series. That's the last one. As you know, Christina Applegate's got mul- multiple sclerosis, so she's not gonna be acting anymore. And that's
1: sad too. It's such and, a shame.
0: And between season two and season three, of course, COVID happened. So she hasn't been, you know, so there's like a couple years, but the drugs that they've given her have kind of bloomed her face a little bit and stuff. So she's looking I didn't a
1: think she really looked that bad, but she's still well she's modern. she's
0: looking a bit like um the little girl in Purple Three. Yeah, and, and Poltergeist three <laughs> Heather work. Poltergeist three Heather Rourke. Not Poltergeist one Heather Rourke. So you know where she was kind of bloated in the face, but yeah, she's she still a mom, fantastic, isn't
1: she? Or is she? A,
0: no, remember? no kidney uh, kidney failure.
1: Kid- the, she kidney did have kidney yeah. failure.
0: Yeah, she was she was on a dialysis machine.
1: I didn't know that. I thought it was something else. That's oh. the reason why she was.
0: That's the reason why she was always small as well. That's yeah. why she never grew. Poor baby. But like, same thing that Gary Coleman had. Awful. I didn't know that. Well, it's, it's probably okay because otherwise, you know, it could be worse. She could have got older and been pushed off a stepladder like Gary Coleman was. So- yeah. I
1: think Gary Coleman might have hang this. I'm not gonna
0: say it. I'm not gonna be as bad as you today. <laughs> what are you talking about, Willis? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um I mean, Gary Coleman, I mean, that, I mean, that's a sad... I mean, his whole life is just sad. I mean, being at the top and his parents, like, ripping him off of all his money, and it's just like...
1: It seems to be that way with most childhood stars. Look at it childhood. really does.
2: It's It happens a lot, sadly. It does. They just
1: they well, no Lindsay, Lohan,
0: Lindsay Lohan's the same thing, isn't it? I mean, I just saw her in a Christmas movie on Netflix. She's looking good. She looks like she's... Who's that? Lindsay Lohan.
1: Oh, I saw that. I actually loved that movie. I thought it was pretty good. I go in I, for Christmas on just because I'm going to give Lindsay a break and watch it. You know, yeah, and I, I watched that. I thought it was really good. Actually, it was kind of a feel-good Christmas story.
0: Yeah, you know? I'm I'm a sucker for those Christmas movies anyway, so I do watch the them. So I tend to watch idea. them. Yeah, I'm, I'm a real sucker. <laughs> too, no, I like the Freddie that. Prince one that's on Netflix as well. I highly recommend that. Though so, I don't know one? what they were doing with this Freddie Prince one, Freddie What's Prince Junior one. I don't know, is it about freddie
1: prince or is it starring freddie prince
0: it's, it's starring freddie prince jr his son right you know the one who was in i know what you did Scooby? last summer and yeah and he was and he was in scooby-doo the movie with his wife sarah michelle geller so
1: i didn't know they were married until like a couple days ago either i mean all those different ones like, yeah,
0: well, they've been married they for don't... 20 25 years now
1: oh yeah, okay. no way Married. All right. Well, good for that. I didn't know they were married. Not that long. Holy shit, man! It's nice to see somebody. They, they met
0: on the set of "I Saw What You Did" last summer. So, Not bad. And that was yeah. So they got kids, and they got kids and everything, and yeah, 97 98 So yeah, it's been a while. She taught him how wow, to cook. How cool! He taught her how to cook, and been wedding bliss ever since. <laughs> <laughs> I mean they lasted longer than um, Reese Witherspoon and um, what's his name? So Reese Witherspoon. And Ryan, what's his name? The guy from Cruel Intentions.
1: Oh Ryan, Philippe. I, I think, oh, Ryan right, Philippe. Yeah, wow. That's a man forever. Guys they even do anything anymore. I haven't seen him in anything in eons. I
0: don't know. I mean, you I mean, Freddie Prince Jr. pops up here and there every once in a while.
1: Last thing um, I saw him in was Scooby Doo. You haven't seen him in. Freddie
0: Freddie Prince Jr. was a
2: writer for WWE for a while too. Yeah, that was weird. So. like you wouldn't think of him being being a wrestling writer. Yeah. I well, They
1: got a script. That's for sure. How hard can it be to write a script for wrestling?
2: Well, see, if, well. The, well, if the performers are good enough, probably not. Probably not that difficult. Because you got to go by their characters, and if they right. they know characters they're probably
1: it's probably pretty, pretty I, I put on the i put on the smackdown on fridays every once in a while but never will we ever have the wrestling heroes of the 80s back or the early 90s though no, those were the best ones these guys just don't do it for me tried i'm trying
0: well i mean it's you know so it's a different, you know. It's a bit like trying to. Well, it's not, not like the, you know how
1: Andre the Giant used to walk into Benny's Steakhouse on arsenal Street and order four loaves of Italian bread while we were on duty, and you know, a shit ton of steak. It's just like Andre's here.
2: <laughs> I've I've heard uh, I've heard drinking stories about him that are that are amazing. Yeah,
1: they used that's to hang out Watertown and Syracuse quite a bit back in the day. because they their big haunts mm. so.
0: But besides that not doing a hell of a lot and just getting ready for christmas which is is like four weeks away yay
1: yay yeah big deal (laughs) the silly season everybody's mad or upset or depressed
0: well that's only in america over here we're all getting (laughs) we're kind of getting into it so
1: that's only in america i'm not depressed i shut off tv except for my movies lately so i haven't been years depressed
0: well, because we have the high cost of living crisis that's going on here at the moment, um, it seems like everyone's inadvertently just scaling back because
1: of us. But that's okay.
0: Uh, well, <laughs> I mean, it's, it has to do with a lot of things. It has to do with Brexit and everything like that. On top of that, as well. Yeah. But um, but you know, the thing is, is I think what's happening is is that you're finding that people are just scaling back, but finding the joy instead of the the commerce. Part and it's of it. so
1: important that people finally figure that out because there is joy to be mm. had without ruining yourself financially there
0: is yeah and i know like i know like people in the office are like going, oh we're doing family dinners but this time everyone's contributing everyone's bringing a dish and that people are doing it that way so it seems a little bit more communal and a little bit more oh, it's a
1: lot better that way too <laughs> Just cooking for a whole family it's so stressful and everybody mm. eats it in 15 minutes and you're cleaning up or two uh, i just it's just rough. just dinner. it's like wrap
0: it's like wrapping presents you spend all that time Buying them and wrapping them, and then five minutes later, it's all over the floor. And say, like, "Okay, yeah, <laughs> that was worth it. <laughs> that was fun."
1: I know it has gotten so commercial; kind of sucks. It really does.
0: I mean, I'm I'm just glad we no longer have to send Christmas cards anymore. So that's good.
1: I know people Ooh. that still do. Every Sam summer Irvin summer.
2: still does. They get a Christmas card from Sam
1: It's
0: mm. Weird. Really? Yeah. Well. Here is expensive to send Christmas cards because I to send a letter out it costs one pound for a stamp.
1: Man, it is you know how much it costs. Like if I wanted to send something to my niece or to you over in the UK or Canada, it's $80 to deliver shit now.
0: That's why the best Ridiculous. thing to do is I if I need to send anything to anyone, let's say in America, like my sisters or whatever, like that, I just go on to Amazon.com and just order it from there and they gift wrap it and I send it off.
1: <laughs> it's easier. Yeah, it just costs me an extra money. Ton to- deliver in the states though
0: no i got free delivery because i got prime I got, I got i got a prime membership so
1: oh they don't do that for canada man you punch in canada they want money
0: well canada um taxes you for air up there so what do you expect they have the air yeah. tax yeah.
1: yeah our boy justin isn't doing so hot up there people are ready no. to get the bitch out that's <laughs>
0: That's what happens when you blackface for a Halloween costume during during, during, right. during, your, during your college years.
1: I know. Can you imagine if anything? Mean, I'm so glad iPhones were not around in college years because you know everybody would have such big sinning going on. Oh everybody god. did something stupid. Oh my god.
0: I, I just put it, I, I just put it now I just put it now there's there was mobile phones when I was in uni and during our fraternity and all our hazing and all the other stuff that went on. I mean none of I mean everyone basically everyone just beats basically jobless. how come no one gets the upset social, about that no movie social media. Night you know it's
1: like no one gets upset about that it's just like I don't uh, see what the problem is it's just acting who cares I don't even I think
0: it's I mean, I think it it, it depends on how it's being portrayed, I think, so Uh, you have to to, to look at the context. Everybody
1: did stupid. I went as a pregnant nun one year when I was in college, you know, for Halloween. Everybody does stupid shit in college. I I think,
0: (laughs) yeah, I mean, I don't know, I mean, that's
1: what you're supposed to do, stupid shit.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, college stuff is stupid because you're stupid and and you don't really know better. The problem is when you're 30 and 40 doing that shit. That's the problem.
1: Yeah. Well, I think he was in college when he did
0: that. Yeah. I think he went as Aladdin anyway. So I don't.
1: Know. I think so, he was Aladdin. I don't even think it was blackface. So
0: yeah. So I, I don't think it's it blackface. Face. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think I think it was Disney Aladdin. So I don't. I don't even know. I don't know
1: what Joy Joy Behar's story was though. They got her due for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She said she was wearing tan makeup to save her butt.
0: Which one was that?
1: Hey, Joy, Joy. they Behar from The View. What the is real that? hateful one. They're all hateful, but I mean, the really hateful
0: one. Well, the worst, the worst one was Real Housewives in New York, and um, one of the housewives. I mean, she's known as the Countess, and she went to a Christmas party like three years ago. Look, this is on the show, dressed as Diana Ross, like full makeup. So that's and bad. Everything. Oh, that was bad. Uh, I mean, it's kind of like. I mean, this, this is like right after all this stuff coming out. It was like, and you chose this.
1: I like can't a- do, I mean, the hair, I can't imagine trying to do, replicate the hair. Everywhere. Oh, no,
0: she had she had like a really bad wig on. It kind of looked like, it looked like a clown wig that was dyed black for the occasion, so. And I
1: guess we got a black wig to, bad, not a black wig, but a bad wig that I had to read all about because Joe did not like the wig on Barbara Stanwyck.
2: Oh, Yeah. 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 Well, that was the one mm-hmm. thing about this movie that i that I was not uh, thrilled about was that that terrible wig on stage. It was
1: done on purpose, but we'll get into it later.
4: Are you looking for a graphic design that will take you to the next level or something that shows confidence within a growing market to help you stand out amongst the crowd? Amazing Designs give consistent and on-brand designs whether you are looking for something conservative or you want to let your imagination soar. They bring professionalism to a high standard and they are able to visualize your ideas and give them that extra edge. Working one-on-one with their designers will give you a design that will live up to your expectations and more. Affordable, expert designs for all occasions, whether it's logos, brochures, or whatever you can dream of. Amazing Designs is your to-go place for creativity and hands-on expertise. Try Amazing Designs today. Contact them via email at amazingdesigns505 at gmail.com. That's amazingdesigns505 at gmail.com or reach out by phone at Cold one 805-203-0427. 805 203 We love them so much here at the Literary License Podcast that we use them ourselves.
3: But I'd rather be different than
0: be the same. Yeah, we'll get into, we'll get into it now as we discover <laughs> Double Identity, which is a 1944 American crime film noir directed by Billy Wilder, co-written by Wilder and Raymond Chandler and produced by Buddy DeSala and James Sistrom. Joseph Syndrome, sorry. The screenplay was based on James M. Cain's 1943 novel, the same title, which appeared as an eight-part serial for Liberty Magazine in February 1936. The film stars Fred McMurray as an insurance salesman, Barbara Stanwyck as a provocative housewife who is accused of killing her husband, and Edward G. Robinson as a claims adjuster whose job is to find phony claims. Oh. The term double indemnity" refers to a clause in a certain life insurance policies that doubles the payout in cases where the death is accidental. Praised by many critics, when first released, the film was nominated for seven Academy Awards but did not win any. Widely regarded as a classic, it often cited as having set the standard for film noir. Deemed culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant, by the US Library of Congress in 1992, Double Dempty was selected for preservation in the National Film Registry. In 1998, it was ranked number 38 on the American Film Institute's list of the 100 Best American Films of All Time, and in 2007 it placed 29th on their 10th anniversary list. Wilder considered Double Indemnity his best film in terms of having the fewest scripting and shooting errors and always maintained that the two things he was proudest of in his career were the compliments he received from Kane about Double Indemnity and from Agatha Christie for his handling of Witness for the Prosecution. So what we're going to do is cut to the trailer of Double Indemnity I'll be right back.
3: Hi, killed Dietrichson. Me, Walter Neff, insurance agent. 35 years old, unmarried, no visible scars. Until a while ago, that is. Yeah, I killed him. I killed him for money and for a woman. It all began last May. I was thinking about that dame upstairs and the way she had looked at me. And I wanted to see her again, close, without that silly staircase between us. How could I have known that murder can sometimes smell like honeysuckle.
1: I can't stand it anymore. What if they do hang me?
3: They're not going to hang you, baby.
1: It's better than going on this way.
3: They're not going to hang you, because you're going to do it and I'm going to help you. Yes, from the moment they met, it was murder. Always behind them with his devilish hunches and his brilliant brain was Keyes.
0: The murder's never perfect. Always comes apart
3: sooner or later. And where two people are concerned, it's usually sooner. Could they get away from him and his relentless pursuit? And could they get away with murder? You don't know Keyes. Once he gets his teeth into something, he never lets go. He'll investigate you, he'll have you shadowed. he'll watch you every minute from now on. You afraid, baby?
4: Yes, I'm afraid. But not of Keyes. I'm afraid of us.
3: I'd like
0: to move in on her right now, tonight. If it wasn't for Norton and his striped pants ideas about company policy, I'd have the cops after her so quick it'd make a head spin. Now, we know the Dietrichson Dame is
3: in it, and somebody else. Only I haven't got a single thing to go on, Keys. He'll show, he's got to show. Sometime, somewhere, they've got to meet. <music>
0: Welcome back to Leisure License Podcast. We're discussing Double Indemnity from 1944. Starting with you, Joe, what are your thoughts about Double Indemnity?
2: Well, like you said in the buildup, uh, this is one of the movies that kind of sets the tone for uh, for film noir. And hang on. I have a cough drop in my mouth. Let me get rid of that. It's one of the movies that kind of sets the tone for film noir. And just performance-wise... Everyone down the down the line, especially Edward G. Robinson, though. Like I love Barbara Stanwyck in this, but Edward G. Robinson's one that constantly stands out to me in this movie. He's so so great as
1: um, powerhouse in it. Actually, without even trying,
0: yeah, he's actually yeah, playing I, against type as well. I know just because normally he's you know when you watch Scarlet Street and other right. film <laughs> noirs that he's done, he normally plays quite like the heavier. Or and this was like a totally for the bad track. guy. Yeah, this is like a totally different career changing exactly. role for him, I found.
2: Exactly. He's done he's done a few roles like this, but this uh this one more the more than 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 any others. He he just kind of hits it out of the park here. I was kind of thinking uh of his performance in five star final, which uh nominated for best picture like 15 years prior. That was another one where he 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 had a role that you know you could kind of see that it, it was a little sentimental. Um the uh, the relationship between his character and Fred McMurray's you you can kind of sense the uh, uh, the love and affection that they have for each other and the, the mutual respect that they have for each other the whole time. Um, I love the uh, the interplay with the uh, the matches. How you know, what's the and, what and, was every, the
1: deal with the matches, you guys? I mean, I, obviously he could do the thingy. This- yeah,
0: but if the thing is, is that I'll, um, Edward G. Robinson, for some reason, never has matches on him. And Fred McMurray is like this perfect match. Basically, okay. so that's why he's, he's, he you know, he needs Fred McMurray because their their friendship is they rely on each other, you know. Because you did notice reason. at the
1: end, you know, I mean, not to jump to the end, but um, Edward Robertson also can do the little match thingy. Well, you know,
0: what he, that's. You know, he it
1: with his finger, you know.
0: But what that, what that symbolizes is that. He's no longer gonna have his best friend around anymore, so therefore he's gonna have to start doing things on his own.
1: Well, he wasn't very, I don't know, didn't he think it's like, well, too bad, so sad, you fucked up, you're going to jail, we're gonna patch you up so the ambulance can pick you up. He would just i don't know he just seemed like he he just seemed like he could go both ways though of uh, robinson i mean well, one minute he's a good friend in the end it's like too bad so sad you know
0: yeah but edward g robinson has a very strong moral compass and i think that's what in this,
1: i mean well he's the moral
0: compass of this movie definitely definitely because
1: yeah. he could sniff out any fraud basically. and you also
0: and you also have to remember this is 1944 and there's also that whatever crime that you're doing that's bad, you there has to be some kind of payoff for the, the criminal right. as well. Yeah. I mean, if, the, if you know, chances are this was a different time period or a different time, then chances are that, one, a couple of things that happened, A, Barbara Stanwyck might probably wouldn't got shot maybe, she probably would have ran off. Well,
1: know? it was supposed to be a or, double suicide and they said they didn't do that back then. So they did yeah. not incorporate that into the movie.
0: Yeah. So, so, you know, you got to have, and Fred McMurray is the bad guy in this. So you got to have, you know, you got to have that payoff. He's got to pay for his crimes. Is he a bad the,
1: guy or is he a sap?
0: Little, little, well, to be, to be honest, he, he's, I mean, Fred McMurray in this reminds me of his character in The Apartment. I mean, and the thing is, you also have to remember that you're seeing everything's done in Robert... Fred McMurray Murray actually carries the film. You do not see any scene without Fred McMurray and his viewpoint on the scene. It's all told from his point of view. He's in every single scene. You know, you don't yeah, see he Barbara, is, isn't he? You don't see you don't see Barbara Stanwyck at home, wait, you know, just living her life. You don't see um Edward G. Robbins' character at all just doing working on a thing. It's always in Fred McMurray's in the room or Fred McMurray's way well, entering the room, and that's when you see them. So it's all done from his point of view. And it's all done with his narrative anyway. I mean, it's done, I mean, it's basically is a first person narrative film because it's all it starts off with Frederick Murray and he's basically did, narrating did he think, what went on from his point of view.
1: Did he think some of the, some of the uh, verbiage was kind of, I don't know, awkward, like how he's calling Barbara Stan baby all the time? Hey, baby. Well, that I think, <laughs> like, I think it has
0: a lot to do with Raymond Chandler's um, scripting. Cause I mean, if you look at all the Peter, um, all the bar, what's the detective name that were popular this time marlo philip marlo oh, uh,
1: philip marlo philip marlo, yeah. if you look at all
0: the philip Marlowe detective s- stuff that he's like the mickey in,
1: spillane shit yeah
0: mickey spillane that's all that and it's all it's all done with that first person narrative i mean we talked about the night stock before we started recording that's all done from darren mcgavin doing his narration sort of thing and billy wilder would use this again and sunset boulevard the same kind of framework yeah so, but um, but yeah. So it's all from his point <laughs> of view, and, and, and it is that very right, you know.
1: And you know, Raymond, Raymond
0: Chandler talked. And they yeah. did choose that that day.
1: wig was supposed to look phony. It was chosen to underscore her sleazy phoniness. That's why they picked that particular wig. So you're right, Joe. It had a reason why it looked so bad on her. I never thought that it was a wig until you said something. Huh. Well, they, they
0: they want they wanted her to look like mutton dressed as lamb. <laughs>
1: well, didn't this, Which this is, was kind of a sleazy movie though? It was gritty and kind of seedy. I think you know. I mean, oh, definitely, definitely I mean, especially... left you more to the imagination like they used to back in the day because you knew what was going on. But did she try to kill her husband before?
0: She didn't kill her no, husband. She killed she killed, killed, she killed the husband's wife. Wife, yeah, Alleg- okay. allegedly. I mean, allegedly
1: killed the mother. I mean.
0: I mean, another thing is, is, I mean, we do have a daughter who's unreliable as well, I found.
1: Well, know. she's kind of innocent and kind of
0: unknowledgeable. She's kind of, of you know, she, she acts as innocent, but she's pretty slutty. Let's how is honest. she slutty? She's just,
1: what did she do?
0: Oh, because the thing is she's meeting, she keeps meeting that guy um, late at night, you know? Oh, can you? you know, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna study with my friends, but she's meeting this guy late at night. And we know that guy late at night is not after her, for, for her purity.
1: Yeah, I mean, true. He, he's,
0: he's kind of a dark character with himself.
1: Well, they kind of like each other, though. I mean, in, in the, yeah, but I mean, alike. but the thing
0: is, is like, you know, they're I mean, they're not it's not a typical teenage romance, is it? I'm not sitting there saying that she's slutty. I'm just saying I guess that's probably the wrong word, but I'm sitting there saying that I don't think that she's tie dyed innocence.
1: No, I don't think she's innocent. She acts innocent, though.
0: Oh, yeah, she play. she plays up on it. It's know, also, I don't think I don't think she is.
2: It's also weird that in the end, Fred McMurray kind of tell kind of uh, brings them back together. Like this entire movie, you've been talking about how this guy's a hothead and how this guy's got like this temper and he's ki- kind of an asshole. And then at, at the end of the movie, you're like, "Yeah, you two kids belong together." It doesn't make yeah. any sense to me, but whatever. This movie well, was no, they-
1: based. On, it was based on a true story, though. I didn't know that there was a real life murder case of Albert Snyder was killed in 1927 by his wife, Ruth Brown Snyder, and her lover, a corset salesman named Henry Jed Gray. Before committing the murder, he took out a $100,000 life insurance policy on her husband and tried to kill him several times, but was unsuccessful. She ultimately turned to Gray for help in the murder plot, and they were both executed in 1928 for killing her old man.
0: I mean, another thing that's interesting about double indemnity that Fred McMurray might be the innocent party here because he gets played by both women. He gets played by the daughter and by the wife.
1: How do you figure by the daughter though? Because she's just looking. Well, for-
0: she, well, no, she sits there and says that um, that Barbara Stanwyck's character murdered her mom. Right. But well, there's no there's no proof of that. No. There's no proof whatsoever of that. He's going by what she said. She also sits there and said, "Oh, my boyfriend's going visiting Barbara St- um, Barbara Stanwyck's character. I gotta figure out what that character's name is. Um,
3: uh, Phyllis. Nice. Phyllis.
0: Phyllis. Phyllis. Yeah. But, you know, um, you know, he's visiting Phyllis every night. I've been following him. He's following Phyllis every night. Is he? Is he? Well, I he mean, didn't
1: deny pre- it.
2: <laughs> well, he, he does show up at the house that uh, you know at the end of the movie. So
1: right. pre-
0: presume that he is he is seeing Phyllis." Well, he's seeing Phyllis because Phyllis is setting him up to take the fall for the yeah. for the murder. That's what she's doing. She's not, but it's not. But she's saying that oh, they're having an affair and all this other stuff, which is not what's happening. She said, oh, I've seen them through the window and da da da. But that's not what's happening at all.
2: Well, would you put right? it past uh, Phyllis to be sleeping with this young kid to tr- to get him set up for murder? I wouldn't.
0: Um, no, I'm thinking that basically is that you know he's coming. I think that. I don't think that he's sleeping with Phyllis. I think that he's showing up wondering where his girlfriend is because she's not seeing him at the moment. And I mean, I mean, there's that possibility because at the end of the day, you got this jealous wide eyed girl who's playing the victim all the time. And it is possible that she could be, she could be making too much of a situation to Cause at the same time, I mean, she's flirting with Frederick Murray at the same time. I mean, yeah. you know, she, she jumps into his car. Oh, can you give me a ride? I mean, what's that all about? This is not the innocent girl. Oh, oh! Would you like to come in and meet my boyfriend? You know what? I mean, this is a salesman that's come to the house to sell insurance, and this is the way she's at. This is not a long family friend there. Yeah, you know. Well, on top he's not of a-
1: that. He used to play. Was it? He was my. Was it my three sons? It's so hard to. to I mean, I've never really. I just have a hard time watching him be this sleazy, gritty, nasty, filthy, dirty character. After he's done my three sons and he's like America's dad, you
0: know? <laughs> well, I mean, what I mean, if you want to see him at his Sleaziest, watch The Apartment by Billy Wilder.
1: Well, this was didn't Wilder direct this one too. He
0: directed this one too, yeah. I mean Frederick Murray is quite yeah. Frederick Murray is quite interesting because I actually was I did a little bit of research on him because I always liked Frederick Murray, you know um and it's quite funny but the producers of my three sons said that we pretty much just hired the whole Disney cast of Shaggy Dog for my three sons because uh, they were all in you know the the oh no kidding
1: I didn't even thought of that
0: well Tom Considine played his eldest son um for you know the first five years before then he got off his character went off and got married and then the other son took over um and then um William Demarest was in Shaggy Dog as well and Char, Char, um, Charles Farley who was Ethel Mertz's husband um, yeah missed, um he was you know he was the first but you know of course we got sick and he was dying so he had to be replaced after the second series but the interesting thing about Fred McMurray is, is that when he did my three sons he taped all his scenes within two weeks for the whole series so huh. that way he could do movies.
1: I didn't know that.
0: That's interesting. So, so when they, so when fan. you see my three, when you watch my three sons or ever catch any of it, his scenes were all done, and then they, everyone else had to act around him, and then they would, uh, then they would put the show together, and cut it all together. Never noticed so, that. Yeah, I didn't know. No, I, I was. But I mean, I was, a, I was
2: a kid last time I saw my three sons, so.
1: Yeah, same here. That's been a while. But, I mean, uh-huh. I just always thought of him as, you know, like an America's dad kind of thing. And to watch mm-hmm. him play his sleazy. And he's done quite a few sleazy characters, too. I mean, he never really just stuck to, you know, being lover. He,
0: he does... He plays, I mean, and now what I like about him is a sleazy character, because I find when he plays like the every dad, whether it's the Shaggy DA or Shaggy Dog or My Three Sons or the numerous um, Disney films he does, they're, he's very likable and he's very trustworthy and everything like this. But when he plays a sleazy character, there's such a three-dimensional Side to him, Something. it's just like it's not just sleazy. There's also so much undercurrent with Frederick Murray when he plays these kind of roles that you don't get when he plays the good guy.
1: It kind of, kind of makes you kind of off a little bit about him. I mean, it just it's kind of an unbalancing whatever he's got going on, especially because I don't think he wants to be bad in this movie, but he's greedy, you know, and he really well, thinks this woman cares about him. I guess.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, but you know, I mean, I mean, look at his. You know, he shows up, he goes, you know, about the car insurance. And the first time he meets Phyllis, look what he says to her.
2: Yeah, he's flirting with her. From when they're very, when she, they're both
1: flirting, when she's got the, the cat well, cat no, she's numbers. flirting with him.
0: She's trying to calm cool him down. She's like, you know, oh boy. I mean, and th- I mean, we're talking about let's, okay, let's sit there and say that someone knocks on your door, they're selling you insurance, and this is how he talks to you.
1: Yeah, I know, but she was in a bath towel. Okay, she could have. Well, her up. yeah,
0: no, but what I'm saying is, yeah, but you're you're making it sound like she knew he was coming, but that's not the case. He knocked on the door. This person shows up, you t- you, you're out lying out, and you just come out and go, Who is it? Oh, let me get some clothes on. She gets some clothes on, then comes down the stairs. She didn't know he, she wasn't expecting him. He wasn't like this appointment. Oh, the salesman's coming, so I think I'll just robe and wait for him to show up. She was just out <laughs> doing her everyday thing, whatever she does during the day. So you have to look at it that way. It's not, it, she wasn't doing his, it wasn't premeditated. Oh, a salesman's coming, so I'm gonna disrobe. She did right. he just showed up. And then she comes down the stairs, and basically he comes on to her like in a very sleazy way, very
2: heavy come on too. Like that was that right was.
0: Yeah, and and if you if you remember what she's saying, she's pretty much telling the hey, cool it here. You're going, you know, you're pushing this a little bit too far here. And she's kind of saying that to him while while he's coming on to her. You know, she's like, oh, you know, put, you know, it's like he goes, you know, you know, am I speeding too fast? She goes, oh, you might want to put on a red light. You know, she's yeah. saying stuff like this all the way through it. So she's trying to cool him down. I mean, you know, then, of course, you know, and then she, you know, then what we do is we get her pressing it a little bit further later on. But in that first scene when she's meeting, I mean, this is, I mean, this is a salesman who's knocked on her door. <laughs> this is just like, this is an everyday salesman. This is like someone showing up at your door selling Hoovers. <laughs> <laughs> what I mean. Yeah. I
2: think she always had the, uh, I mean, Again, with the reliability of the daughter in this, she may have always had the idea of killing her husband. But yeah, this guy showing up and talking the way he does made, made it so she realized, okay, I can twist this guy around my finger and have him do whatever I want.
0: But does he, but does she, but but I don't think she has to do a lot of twisting.
2: Oh, no, definitely not.
0: Because if you think about it, it's his plan. It's his idea the way that they're going to do the body, everything comes from him. And, and he, and she's going, okay, this is what you want me to do. And she's doing that all the time. And he's like, just make sure you get it right. Just make sure you get it right. You know? And he's like, he's really depending on her to make sure that she plays her role properly.
1: Yeah. And he wants to follow to the letter. They can't deviate at all. And if
0: you think and you you also think of like meeting at the drugstore, it's him who sets up the times that they're going to meet at the drugstore. It's him that arranges that. It's him that arranges everything. So what I thought, So when I first saw this, I thought Barbara Stanwyck is like, you know, the Black Widow and everything like this. But then when I watched it again, I kind of saw it. I could I could look at it from a different light if I wanted to. And that's what I quite like about this movie. You can look at it from one way or another.
1: Yeah, well, $100,000 so in 1944, that's probably how much in today's equivalent.
0: Over a million, million easy. Be, yeah, probably about a million today's money.
1: So I imagine Please. that, you know, it was worth every penny. But I mean, they just, I don't know, when the car didn't start, when they were trying to deposit the body by the by the train, where, the, where it supposedly fell off the train, I, okay. I kind of bit my nails there for a minute. It's like, ah, oh, shit, the car's not start you know, it's going to
2: mess up his plan. So. When you think of the planning, he kind of has to be the one that does all the planning because he's got to, he's got to not only think of how it's going to get past the police. He's got to think of how it's going to get past the company bloodhound who knows in his gut.
1: Yeah. Like literally I've got a
2: little man in here. Yeah. He knows in his gut when, uh, when something's off. So he's,
1: what was it that set him off that he started figuring it out? I can't remember. But there was one point- that um,
2: he took out an insurance policy for accident he insurance. He might not have that, known. Well, he he took out an accident insurance, uh, accident insurance, and then broke his leg and never filed a claim. And that's, that's right.
1: Okay. Why wouldn't he follow a claim? Okay. Yeah, you're right. And that's know. uh,
2: yeah, that's that's what got him going. So wait a minute. Why wouldn't you if the? Uh, but but I mean even then. He looks at Fred McMurray and goes, "Ah, that's impossible." Because you delivered it yourself, and it's really putting the onus on Fred McMurray at that moment to be mm-hmm. like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah," because I personally went and got him to sign up personally. Yeah.
0: So, but I mean, but Fred McMurray is also a bit of a player and a trier as well. I mean, the simple fact that you know he finds out that the guy they found the guy in the train who apparently saw the husband had a conversation with the husband and he, and what does he do? He goes into the room and just stands there. Like, you know, I dare, like, I dare you to recognize me. Really? I mean, that's, that's ballsy.
4: (laughs) I mean, I wouldn't,
0: I mean, if it was me, I'd be like, I'm going to go, and I'm going to hide in the bathroom. I'm going to wait half an hour and I'll come out of the bathroom. Hopefully he'll be gone by that time. I'm not going to stand like right just behind him going,
2: I mean, <laughs> at that point, what choice did he really have, though? Because y- you would assume that uh that Bart, uh Barton Keys would just be like, "Wait a minute! Why- where are you going? Why are you Why are you leaving? We We got this guy right here. We can grill him."
0: Mm. Um, I mean, another thing that's quite interesting also is that you know Fred B. Murray's character as well is unmarried, and how old is he supposed to be? Like in his late twenties, early thirties, maybe
2: uh, thirty
1: five.
0: Oh, I think they said. 35. So that's quite late oh, for yeah, someone not that's being right. But it's yeah. quite late for no, someone not being in a relationship or being married. He's it's like a confirmed bastard. Well, he's a confirmed at 35 in 1944. I mean, people only live to about in their fifties. You know, he's got about 15, 15, maybe 20 years more to live if he's lucky, sort of thing, because you know. back in those days everyone was dying from cancer anyway but i was like because everyone was smoking a mile a minute but what i'm saying but what i'm saying is is he's 35 years old he's he's not married he's not dating anyone there's no he doesn't mention anything about ever being coupled with anyone sort of thing so and you know and and he's basically you know he's lived in his you know bachelor pad for however long he has and you know, so therefore he, maybe he's a bit of a player as well. I mean well, you know, obviously
1: he is because he wouldn't have come on to Barbara Stanwyck in this the capacity that he did. Or well, I mean he did try to get away from her when he realized that she was looking for a way to take out an insurance policy <laughs> to do her husband in, but then he kind of perked right back up and changed his mind. So he didn't have no problem getting involved. All well, it took is her
2: showing up and flirting with him again, and all of a sudden he was game.
1: Yeah, yeah, but you know what I th-
0: you know what I think that was for me, um, and I th- and you you do see you know you do see some guys liking this is that when a girl tells them no, all of a sudden and instead of like going okay this girl is not interested they also I like they all they become excited by the challenge. What the
1: guy or We're- the girl.
0: No, the guy, because I'm saying that if basically if she if she I think if she played along in the beginning, it's like, oh, you know, when he was flirting with her and coming on hot and heavy and she played along with that. I think that probably she he probably would not have any interest in her, but because she didn't play along with it, I think that piqued his interest even more. It's like, oh, how can I get this? Because she said no because that because because at the end of the day i mean the way that he talks and the way that you know the way that he views life and you gotta remember we're hearing his narrative all the way through i mean this guy he's got a quite hard cynical look upon life anyway he's not he's not doe-eyed and like oh you know every he's a half empty kind of guy he's not a half full kind of guy is he right so And, you know, but then, you know, but I think that's what makes this film work is that everyone is kind of three dimensional, like, you know, because look at the daughter. I mean, okay, yeah, maybe, maybe Phyllis had something to do with the death of her mother, or maybe her daughter just just hates having a stepmother because stepmothers don't always fare well within a family, do they? No, they do not.
1: (laughs) They do not.
0: You know, and think about it, my, and let's sit there and say that your your mother's dying and all of a sudden your father starts dating, the nurse is taking care yeah. of her. You're you're not gonna feel 100% about that relationship, are you?
3: No, well, not. I mean,
1: God, talk about not letting the body get warm or cold. I mean, geez, you know, I mean, he obviously just jumped to Barbara stand immediately after his wife died. <laughs> so yeah, she probably was a hateful little shrew. And I'm sure that if we read the book, we'd probably have some more backstory to it or the, is it just a screenplay?
0: no there, there's a book there's a, a book. yeah it's a novel i mean another thing that's quite interesting as well is that when they're all talking and the daughter's there and then you basically get to meet the husband and some of the stuff that barbara stanwick is saying about the husband <laughs> does bring a little bit of truth to it as well he doesn't seem to be the the caring calm little you know he seems to be quite a bitter strange little horrible husband doesn't he i mean he's like yeah. you know the way he speaks to his daughter the way that he speaks to his wife you know all of, you know. You're spending money on clothing and da 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 da, and you know and and another thing is is that. You know he's not. You know he pretends. You know they he pretends that they have money, but you find out later that he doesn't have any money at all. They keeps blowing. He keeps losing their money. You know, yeah, he, they're basically, he, they're basically just hanging on to the house by the skin of their teeth. Really, that they're living in.
2: Yeah, he he's been losing money since he got in the oil business that's that's the uh, that's
1: the line yeah well I mean you don't yeah. think of California as a lot of oil wells though I mean I think always like eastern New Mexico Texas but I guess there's oil wells in California
0: there's there's a few yeah yeah there used to be I mean um it, there was a bit of a little bit of an oil boom but it never produced what they thought it was going to produce right and people and people didn't make the money that they thought they were going to make on it you know, but there, you know, it's a bit like, the, it's has been like the gold rush boom, you know, that was going gotcha. on at the same time. You know, there's a lot of people that are rushing out and trying to make money on it, but very, only a very few actually made money from it. A lot of people lost a lot of money during the gold rush and during the oil boom and stuff like that. You know, it wasn't like Oklahoma and Texas. You know, I think they just like the weather more. Maybe
1: know. Southern California and- has got great weather.
0: Well, California also has good PR as well. It's like come out here where all the stars are made and you know, it's Hollywood and you know, you have all well, the back that then, have, yeah. Well, you still have I mean, it still has that kind of a shine to it. I mean, it's just like you know, you know, it's like it's you know, California's like Disneyland of the States, isn't it? So it's like, not you know, lately.
1: Everybody it's, keep, it's all. it's all good pl- Florida. Florida. <laughs>
0: But it's and all just, plywood and it's it got it's is. all plywood. It's all plywood and paste, and you know you push a button and a bird sings somewhere. But
1: I wish I had. There's an artificialness
0: to it. I wish
1: the Disney animals would come alive for me when I got shit to do. But
0: you'll be like That's the enchanted. Like you'll be like the enchanted. It'll just be the 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 rats and the cockroaches Still and the pigeons cleaning that. up your house.
1: <laughs> I gotta watch that. I guess Enchanted Two came out. I gotta watch yeah. that. I just haven't had a chance to yet. Uh-huh.
0: But I mean, I thought, I mean, I thought Double Indemnity, I thought it was quite interesting because the thing is, is it is, for me, it was basically a film about a man being played by two women, really.
1: Well, by I guess a, if you want to look at that, well, you know, Barbara Stanwyck is, but I didn't really think about Denise doing that.
0: Oh, come for, for on. She's crying. She cries all the what, time and she's playing the victim card and she's with her blue eyes. And, well, maybe and, she's you know, just a cry you, know, baby. Well, you know, I just, I just hate her. Well. I mean, the thing is, it's kind of funny because I used to think that uh, you know, I used to feel kind of sorry for her. But then watching I mean, it's kind of weird because after me too, in the and the situation and the way that the world has turned in the last five to five years. And now, and now you're kind of looking at things slightly differently. And the thing is like, you know, she, you know, she jumps into his car. Oh, can you give me a ride? And and that for, and also it's like, I started seeing that differently. And I don't know if that's because things have now changed in our, in our world of thinking now and 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 things have moved differently now. And we do look at, we do look at things that we kind of look at things quite innocently innocent at one point. Now we kind of looking at things with a more cynical edge, maybe, or maybe I am. And that's why I thought to myself, I was like, okay. And then it's like, oh, meet my boyfriend. And then, and then, and then when the boyfriend kind of goes off and she kind of gets a little bit of excitement that her boyfriend's like jealous. And there is that, there's that excitement in her. And then you're thinking, like, well, what was that all about? You know, because I said before, this, you know, he's not a family friend. He is a salesman coming to the door to sell his father insurance. He's not a long lost friend. He hasn't someone that they had a, a long relationship with. He's a person that they met five, 10 minutes ago to sign insurance papers. And that's it.
1: That's true. When you think about that, that's true. I didn't no, know. He's not the, that's, he,
0: that's, he, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. He's not the family doctor. He's not the family friend. He's not the next door neighbor. He's a salesman. That person yeah. that knocks on your door asking he's like a Jehovah's Witness asking you if you want to, you know, want to pick up a watchtower. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like you know, chances are you're probably never gonna see that person again. You either take it or have a small conversation with them, and that's it. They leave and you don't have any, you know, that's it. And if you see that person in the street, you probably wouldn't even acknowledge that person. You might go, probably not. You know, you know what I mean? It's a salesperson, it's a person that shows up at your door. So why is she getting in the car with this person she doesn't bloody know, asking the well, a ride? Guess,
1: well, yeah, well, I guess how I guess how would he she put two and two together? Well, no, because he took out the life insurance policy. The daughter thought that her father did. She was kind of curious as to what was going on because she thinks that things were a little iffy when her mother died.
0: Well, no, that 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 That's came later. later, but that that came later. I mean, the thing is, is like you know, the accident happens. She's grieving and all of a sudden she starts popping up into Frederick Murray's life all of a sudden. I mean, that's a bit weird. Why is a daughter going to the insurance salesman basically trying to become like his best friend? And why are they going on dates? That's weird as well.
1: Well, it's very weird. That's a saying it was a very sordid situation. That's why I said the movie's kind of gritty and kind of ooh. What do you think? Not even though it, it oh, doesn't definitely. have our present day of ooh, but there's a lot of ooh going on.
0: Yeah, and the thing is, and then sometimes you kind of wonder, just like, because then the, thing, the thing is, after Frederick Murray dies, we don't, I mean, it's, because we see every, or whether he dies or not, it's quite <laughs> ambiguous. But the thing is, you know, when we do see the daughter, I mean, the thing is, it's like, oh, I hate my stepmother so much. Ah, and, uh, I love my boyfriend so much. Ah, it's like, oh, I, I think my stepmother's going after my boyfriend. Ah, that sort of thing. And the thing is, is you know, and you know, oh, and, and, and she- we see... We don't, the thing is, we don't know because we're hearing it from her side, but we're, we're hearing it from an unreliable witness, you know. Well, and well if, we're, and hear, he, and we're it
2: hearing it third hand at this point, yeah. because it's, yeah, we're hearing it from, uh, from, from, uh, from Neff. We're hearing what Neff is, Neff is relaying to us what he's being told by Lola. So we're mm-hmm. we're, we're yeah, and what like, Lola
0: and what Lola's I, I, is thinking that's happening here. Yeah. So it's kind of like, you know, it's a bit like you know, you tell me something about your husband, you tell Joe, and then Joe tells me, and then I relay it.
1: Right. And yeah, but I mean, it's sure kind was. of weird the, the, the whole situation with the, the daughter wanting to hang out with Fred McMurray because I guess it really isn't. I guess maybe I don't know. Maybe she just latched on. She's supposed to be a dumb, ignorant teenager, right? And she, I don't, I
0: don't know. I mean, she's don't not that she dumb is. and ignorant because she knows how to play her father. And she knows how to, to get play Frederick Murray. Yeah.
2: She, she's I kind smarter. of thought
1: of her as kind of an ignorant kind of human being that kind of was like in, innocent and trying to figure out her point in all this. But, I mean, I, I could take it well, your way, too, I guess.
0: But let's 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 take the title, Double Indemnity. What does that mean? You know it's paying double on a life insurance right. due to an accident. Now let's put this in people's terms. You know, double double wife, um, stepmother and daughter playing Fred McMurray, double yeah. indemnity, which he accidentally falls into. Right. And what kind of payoff is that sort of thing? Because even because even if the thing is, it's like, you know, and, and you also have to remember that the Barbara Stanwick, even though it says she's painted that when he, when she puts the gun under her chair and she's sitting there smoking her cigarette, she's not waiting for Fred McMurray to show up. She's waiting for her the the daughter's boyfriend to show up so she can pin. Everything onto him, and that's what was the plan. And then Fred shows what the up. That was the
1: plan. Was that's what? That I was,
0: was the hearing. plan. So that's what she's waiting for. Because he,
1: I thought that he, she knew that she had been caught, and that she was waiting for Fred McMurray to show up.
0: No, she. So she, she actually
1: she, cared but, about McMurray?
0: Yeah, she loved him. You know, she's kept she kept her distance. I mean, I think in her. I mean, this is what I think because the thing is, because she sits there and says that he's been coming around. Her the boyfriend keeps coming around every night. And she's been setting him up to take the fall, and he's he's supposed he's supposed to be showing up later, and then Fred McMurray shows up, and from uh, you know I don't know how he got in the house, but he comes out of the out of the darkness from the dark corner of the room, <laughs> and, he, and he basically goes you know da, da 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 da, and then basically you know she shoots him for the simple fact it's like you know oh he's turned against me, so you know it's like a survival thing, feels guilty about it. And, oh no she shoots him and feels guilty about it and she ends up getting shot and she goes, I really did love you, you know. Right. She loved him. She was she was staying away from Frederick Murray because he told her to, not because she wanted to, but he told her to because we can't be seen together. But at the same instance, you know, if we can't be seen together then it's okay for you to be seen by my stepdaughter being seen with her, because they weren't, I mean, they were all over the place. I mean, they were, they were seeing out in public. <laughs>
2: so it's yeah, like, so that,
0: <laughs> yeah. So, you know, what's that about? You know, and, and if Barbara stammick was planning on f- shooting Fred Murray, because here is, you know, it's a bit murky here about exactly what the plan was, because you got what she's saying and you got what he's telling you, what she, he thinks is going on. But at the same time, if she knows that he's hanging around the stepdaughter, she might be thinking that those two are getting together to screw me over.
1: Possibly. Yeah. There's there's something missing in the script somewhere, though. They had to dock some scenes somewhere because there's something missing here and there.
0: Well, I think it's 1944s and so we have to do with Hayes Codes and stuff like this at the same time. So there's got a lot, I mean, when it comes to these older films, you kind of have to start, they give you enough clues, but you're going to have to start putting the pieces together yourself because they can't really spell a lot of stuff out for you because if they do, then basically it's going to be like showing a, a, a couple who's been married sharing the same bed. You just can't do that. Right. <laughs> so, but so what I'm saying, though, you know, so if you look at it from that situation, if you if you if you flip it a little bit, you look at the situation, then what you can sit there and say that if she probably does know that Fred and Murray's hanging around with his stepdaughter, because if if the because if the boyfriend knows and the boyfriend's coming around to talk to Barbara Stanwick about his her stepdaughter that he's supposed to be dating, and he knows that he's she, he's she's hanging around with him, which is possible then Barbara Stanwyck's going to know because you got to remember people talk. Oh my, I'm really in love with her, but she keeps hanging around that sales, sales you know, insurance salesman. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. I can't, uh, and she could just be going, well, you know, you know, maybe she just needs someone to talk to. It could be something as innocent I as that. Thought but that
1: life insurance could be so exciting.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, and the same thing is that, you know, another thing is that you know, when you are narrating a piece and you're narrating your story, you're not going to exactly show yourself as being the 100% villain of the piece, are you? Unless you take f- to- full responsibility of what you did. And Fred McMurray mm-hmm. never really takes full responsibility. He's kind of like blaming, like, her, you know, the seductress of the woman, you know, she was too sexy for me. So that's a bit like, oh, if she's wearing a short skirt, I can rape her.
1: Yeah. She
0: drew me know. there. I, so I kind of figured... So it's, 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 So it's kind of the same kind of argument that we're using here in a way.
1: I was kind of. So basically,
0: she seduced me. So therefore, she made me come up with this plan.
1: Well, she said that her husband's a real hateful asshole to her, basically, and he's mean to her. She said that three or four times. He's mean. He's mean. He's mean. But I mean, but he doesn't have enough lines to even show that he's mean to her. You know. Well,
0: he's he's, he seems (laughs) quite grumpy. he He seems quite grumpy. He's grumpy in the car. You know, he's grumpy getting to the car, and he's grumpy you know when they're just you know when he's talking about how much money she spends on dresses and clothes which is possible i mean i mean you know this is probably one of the rare movies that basically we're watching we're watching her dressed in clothes that you probably could pick up at woolworth's Kellogg. do you know what i mean so it's not so it doesn't look like she's spending an extravagant amount of money on clothes her sunglasses probably paid look look more expensive than all the other clothes that she's wearing so you know what i mean her because her, her clothing her clothing didn't look extravagant
1: no it was your basic 40s fashion but I mean she's trying to get her um, husband to the train station and she, I don't know I just I'm not seeing a lot of the hostility with this movie I mean with the, the with between the abrasiveness between her and the husband mm-hmm. as much I'm beginning to wonder is he really that much of a jerk and is she just trying to get him out of the way you know?
0: I think I think it's a loveless marriage. I think I think well, it's something lot like.
1: There's a those. You don't knock that person off though, because you don't. No, know.
0: well, uh, what I'm saying is, is that he seems to be a bit grumpy. He does seem to be a thing. He's losing all their money. You in know? the oil
1: business, yeah.
0: And so the question basically is, is like, do I stick around this guy as he's as he's thoroughly draining us of money, and we're gonna be poor and living in tent city soon if we're not careful, or do we knock right. him off and at least maybe you know? You know, because another thing is, all his all his insurance goes to the daughter, doesn't it? Whatever other yeah. insurance he has goes to. Well, the Well, he had life
1: insurance. This was accident insurance. So apparently, yeah. the kids getting all his money. That's why I don't understand her role in this that way. Was she grieving her parents, or was she? I don't know. Was she too?
0: Well, he didn't seem. He didn't seem very nice. He didn't seem very nice to her, the daughter either. I mean, he was quite grumpy to her. Where are you going out? No, no, no. He's like. I mean, every line he gave. He, You're still that hothead again. Yeah, he didn't give a lot of, he didn't have a lot of soft lines to deliver. Everything kind of had like a sharp edge to it every time he talked. So, I mean, the problem is that we don't get a lot. I mean, we only, and he and also had to think that if he's doing this in front of a stranger, what's he like when the door's closed and there's nobody home? Right. You know, and, and I guess the only time that we get to see him where he thinks he's alone with her is in the car and right. you know and to be honest they're not talking they're not like oh i'll see you later honey it's like oh i'll miss you or there's nothing like that going on in the car it's just the silence between the two of them you know like True. not not like a happily married couple or a couple that's pretending to be married like a couple that's tolerating each other
1: right yeah there's there's more of a story there there's yeah. more backstory there somewhere yeah.
0: and you know so it. so i'm just saying if you put that in context with you know he doesn't know that you know, Frederick Murray's character is in the back of the car. So it's just the two of them. And then he said, you know, he, he 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 said something grumpy to her about when he's when she's loading him into the car. And then and then the other time that we do see him is when Frederick Murray's there to get him to sign the insurance papers. <laughs> he's, he's not exactly right. the most kindest person. And this is in front of a guest or someone you don't know that's in your house. It's not like it's not like Uncle Joe's coming right. over so we can all be, we can all like run around in our underwear and scratch ourselves because he's met, he's family. You know, it's kind of, you kind of like put on your best behavior normally, don't you?
1: Right. Uh, was it? Would you say this is like the the groundbreaking noir film, or is this the like the one that set up for more to come, or were there more? Because everybody said this is it. So what happened before that? There was other films before this that made it. I
2: mean- noir isn't really like a real genre in a way
1: it's,
2: it's just a, not really that people, yeah it's a style that people kind of kind of started recognizing afterwards um because i don't think anybody ever at least not in the 40s i don't think anybody set out to make oh shoot i don't think anybody set out to make a film noir film sorry just get all these damn charlie horses now just been sick um, I don't think anybody in the 40s set out to make anything called a film noir. I think it's just something we retroactively label movies as. But this
0: is. I think it's the first Hollywood film noir because we had other people doing it like Fritz Lang and stuff like that. But they were kind of like they weren't main. They weren't main studios. They were like Republic <laughs> Studios and RKO and studios that weren't main studios. They weren't Columbia or MGM or Universal or. Or you know Warner, and this right. is probably the first. And this is probably the first Hollywood film noir.
2: And it, I mean, it could be the best. Uh, you could definitely make a case for it being the greatest. Although uh, another one of Billy Wilder's uh, Sunset Boulevard probably is going to give it a run for its money. Um, but yeah, this is probably the first
0: one. This probably is the first one that I know that probably has the film noir and that narrative going on. You know where you know you know I saw her and she was a hot dame and you know that kind of that kind of they the, the, they kind of do take was the a hot the,
1: dame yeah you know and, and, and you know and, and,
0: and the, you know and the sweat was vaporizing off her and a hot vapor you know it's kind of like that kind of talk and it's probably I, I think this might be the fir- first film that kind of really did that sort of thing because I don't I mean I. I have some knowledge of 30s and 40s films. I don't have a huge knowledge, but, but I think Fritz, but if you look at Fritz Lang's movies uh, before this, I mean, they they did have that kind of film noir look, but they didn't have that narration going on.
2: Right. I actually just, uh, just watched uh, While the City Sleeps by Fritz Lang a couple of nights ago, which is a really good little murder mystery, by the way. Mm. Um, But yeah, I, I mean, preceding this, I can't really think of any, um, yeah, no, mm. nothing I can think of. I mean, there's been other movies with these themes, and yeah, you're right, Fritz Lang, of course, comes to mind. Um, or you know, something like maybe Night Nurse, or
0: well, even Scarface like has a bit of a film noir feel about it. The original, yeah,
2: yeah, the, the original definitely does,
0: you know. And doa, when was doa done? Was that done before or after this? I
2: think this was after this.
0: After that, that's that's very film noir. Um, what about Lady of Shanghai, Orson Wells? That was after I this.
2: That, I think that was after this, also. I think. So, yeah, it was forty-seven. Forty-seven. Yeah.
0: So, but I, I mean, but I mean, the film noir, I I probably was more penned after Fritz Lang, and then Billy Wilder kind of gave it a facelift and gave it a more of a a spit and a shine to it, and gave like it the, a yeah,
2: like the glossy Hollywood look.
0: Yeah, where you know, but I think it, you know, it's a bit like you know, it's a bit like slashers. You know, like, you, know you have your Friday the Thirteenth and your Halloween. They were all kind of independent, and then Hollywood comes along and comes out with like I don't know, Scream. I guess you know, it was like okay, we're gonna put a Hollywood sheen on it, and this is gonna be what you know, this is the look of it now, sort of thing. But if you look at you know any any kind of genre, there's always a start before Hollywood jumps on board of that genre and then you know yeah. saying that I don't think that takes away from Billie Holiday and Double Indent whatsoever I think that but I think it I think it's yeah. I think it was called German Expressionism at, at the beginning and then
2: it changed the film to when Ali took it over well, Ger- German Expressionism kind of Bled over into everything in the 30s and 40s, and it was because you had directors like Billy Wilder that 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 would that were coming over from uh, just kind of escaping Nazi persecution, and they were bringing the style of that uh, right. They were bringing that over here because uh, you had him, you had you had Fritz Lang come over, you had, uh, um, uh, Kurt and Robert Siodmak, and Robert Siodmak's another one made a lot of great noir movies. You know, you think of the the Spiral Staircase. Uh, the Phantom Lady. Um but yeah this is probably the one that if I had to if I had to say this is probably the start of it.
0: Mm. Yeah because I said before I think you know because when I look at when I think of Fritz Lang I think of the movies that he kind of did before they're like Fury and You Only Live Once and M. M's very film noir M is as well. Very but I think
2: film noir
1: yeah
0: and then, you know that was 1931.
1: Did they did you did they do you think they independently thought to make this like not a genre but that's no. what they were going for and that's just how we categorized it after the fact I th-
0: to be honest i think that raymond chandler and billy wilder together um i mean even though they have this weird relationship with each other which is quite interesting when you find out about, you know i've watched the documentary and when you Chan, you know, raymond, Ch- uh, raymond, Ch- raymond chandler's first thingy this wasn't a very good script <laughs> But Billy Wilder saw something in here. Now, Raymond Chandler was a recovering alcoholic and Billy right, Wilder was an alcoholic. Right. So they have, so there's this kind of a pig pole, but Billy Wilder took him under his wing. And if you look at other Raymond Chandler scripts, this is like the beginning of what Raymond Chandler is going to produce with his scripts. And they all have this thing in common. Sure. This is the first. And I think it's, if you wouldn't have Raymond Chandler if it wasn't for Billy Wilder, as right. far as his screenwriting, you know, and, that
1: makes perfect sense.
0: And so I think I think the two, I think the two of them together were able to create film noir as we know of it today. I mean, if you look at DOA and other films now, now that now I know for sure the DOA is afterwards and Scarlet Street, you do know that that narrative that one that first person narrative does tend to now travel through film noir afterwards. Even Billy Wilder reuses this this framework in Sunset Boulevard, where basically. It opens up with a dead guy in a pool narrating the story. The dead man's narrating, and and then and I also think that probably what we get here as well that probably classifies film noir is that there's really no surprises here because basically what we get with film noir is you know the person's dead or they're dying. You get that in the first scene, right? And then we get and then we flash back and then we see how the story plays out and then the then we get and then we get the framing device the person dying or being captured by the police I, I think that's film noir yeah that makes sense i well,
1: just there's... i was just didn't i didn't figure that this is where the advent of it took place but i guess it had to start somewhere well, i think this it. is
0: where the, i think this is where the polish came to it and this is what um justified what it is i think you can see it coming up you right can see, you can see the birth of it and this is where it be, this is where it became mature and it became a product gotcha this.
2: I feel like for film noir, though, you have to have uh, you have to have a dark tone, which this movie has in spades, and you have to kind of have that sexy femme fatale, which this movie does. I think those are the two key ingredients. and I think that that's why I feel like film noir is the precursor to, you know, the erotic thriller in many ways.
1: Oh, yeah, true. Yeah. Thinking of it like that.
0: Yeah. I and and there's got to be that head. and there's got to be that sexual overtone to it as yeah. well. There's always I definitely
1: had, had a sexual overtone. Yeah. No. I mean, they I,
0: have sex. They have sex after uh, when she shows up at her flat, doesn't she? I mean, the thing is, is, he's sitting there with a t-shirt on and he's smoking and that's Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, the oh,
2: thing yeah. would be different now if this movie was made, you know, now is we would show them having sex. Yeah. Yeah. And probably him having sex with the daughter.
1: You think yeah, were they do you think that they were had a relationship going on supposedly? But or was he dating, were they dating? Because it really doesn't make any sense to me. It was so random that he was dating well, to begin with. Yeah, like. but, but
0: they were but they're going to places like the carnival together. They're going to places that couples go together. Well, he did yeah. say
1: he had to date her to keep her mouth shut. That's right. Because she was
0: something like that, yeah. Keep yeah. keep her from squealing. Mm-hmm. So, so I mean, he is dating her, but then another thing is like, you know, I mean, but then he in the same day it's like he's dating her, he's actually implicating himself more into it actually
3: mm-hmm.
0: in a weird way. If he kept yeah. his distance from both of them, chances are probably things would probably would have worked out more properly.
1: He just seems you know? like I don't know. He,
0: when, I, I when don't think he
1: played. I don't think he was playing it smart at that point because I mean. Let's face it. Too many people got involved in this little crime. Anyway, at this point,
0: I don't think he's as clever as he thought he was. I think he. I think he. I think he was very virtuoso in the way that he. Because what we do is, if you look at the way he talks about himself and the way that he sees himself, it's all ego, isn't it? He's just. He's definitely got an ego. ego.
1: It's all ego. A lot of it.
0: You know, even even when he comes in and that poor guy who you know that poor insurance claim guy who basically is poor and basically, you know, can't feed his family and can't put food on the table. So he burns up his car and he's, you know, he's got, you know, he when kind possibly of possibly up. Like, one of
1: my favorite um, Robinson moment of the movie too, because it shows that, I mean, he could have, he could have got the guy for fraud and he didn't. And, you know, he pretty much explained to him that, you know, this is stupid, don't do it again, go home kind of thing. I yeah, forgot well, about that scene.
0: Well, another thing is, is that, um, you know, you got, with Edward G. Robinson's character anyway, he, he he doesn't miss a lot anyway. At all. And, you know, and every and when it came to this claim anyway, with Phyllis's claim and everything like that, I mean, Phyllis didn't put the claim through. She was going to wait for a while and all this other stuff. And it's Fred Murray that kind of always would, like, mention it in front of Edward G. Robinson, like, where if he probably shut his mouth about it and didn't mention anything Or didn't even play to it Or give a nod to it Or listen to it Chances are He probably Edward G. Robinson's character Probably just moved on And not even thingy But in a way that He kind of planted a seed In Edward G. Robinson's brain In a way Yeah You know So you know So Frederick Murray's character Is not as clever as he thinks he is he tells us he's clever. He tells us he's bright. He tells us that you know he's just, you know, a mastermind of everything. But if you look at everything he does, it's kind of like he's not, he doesn't live up to what he thinks he does, does he?
2: <clears throat> no, nobody who it's tells his... you they're a genius is ever a genius.
1: No.
0: Precisely. So
2: it's it, it it basically is I it might just be his ego. It might it might be his ego getting the better of him. I got away mm-hmm. with this, and I'm so getting away with it, I'm going to rub it in his face. And that kind of tilts it a little bit.
1: Well, I think he actually liked Edward G. Robinson.
2: I think he does. Oh, he definitely loves and respects him. I think he's just so proud of himself for being able to beat the guy who, you know, he saw him as unbeatable. And then at the end, Edward G. Robinson says, well, you you can't get them all. No. Mm -hmm.
0: You're it's not, beating the unbeatable, isn't it? It's playing it's playing a game with the master. It's a bit like playing tennis with Bjorn Borg or something like that. Yeah. It's like if you if you think he can beat him, and let's see if I can, or let's see if I can outwit him. Right. Truman Truman Campodium, Murder by Death.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I think they made a different clue. I th- it looked like that's a spin off of clue. I can't remember what I saw the ad. Now it's gonna drive me nuts. I can't remember the name of it. Mm-hmm. There's a lot yeah. of stars in it. Yeah. Good yeah. but it looks exactly like Clue. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, well, most of course, oh, uh, Piranhas, the Glass Agatha Onion. Christie remakes.
2: Are you talking about the Glass Onion? the, the new? Yes, uh,
1: yes, that that one. The Onion yeah, or
2: whatever. It's a sequel to Knives Out, which I saw in theaters and I actually kind of liked.
1: Really? Yeah, I've, I not, I've mind, never I even heard Nives of it Out. before. They just reminded me of Clue for some reason. It looked kind of interesting.
0: Well, Knives, Knives Out has that kind of a black comedy tongue-in-cheek kind of feel to it with Jamie Lee Curtis. And and then when when it all spills out and everything plays out, it kind of has that kind of a twist to it. But it's kind of a dark comedy humor thing going, that's underlying everything, so. So before we move on to our next film, what are you going to rate Double Indemnity? Starting with you, Vix.
1: Uh, I give it a 4. Um, just because, I mean, normally I'd like to give it a 5, but there was it just some of it just there's some context, there was I don't know, what do you call it, continuity issues maybe. I don't know. I think that there was something, there was this, there there's a few things missing that maybe I, that probably went over my head. I watched it twice, so I mean, just, But I, I love the movie. I mean, it's, that's, that's not the problem. But it was one of those gritty movies, you know, I always say I want to take a shower with. Only it wasn't, you know, it wasn't uh, one of those really, like, golden glove moments as far as nasty new movie genre. But, you know, it was just, it was just a seedy situation. Barbara Stan- Stanwick always reminds me of the queen of seedy for some reason. I don't know why. Maybe it's just her sexual overtones or something. Maybe she's just so aggressive or you know whatever when she brings brings it all I mean she's a great actress I I liked it it just I think I was missing something I still haven't figured it out yet
2: well I mean this was about as as explicit as you were going to get for 1944 like you you've talked I I think it catches you by surprise because you don't think of films from the 40s having this kind of sexual overtones and this kind of darkness i guess everybody just kind of thinks these movies as being light and fluffy and this movie in sunset boulevard and a lot of the movies that are that fall into you know what we call noir now they have a tendency to get very very heavy
1: they're gritty. Mm
2: -hmm. yeah definitely very gritty definitely very heavy
1: they had an audience that's for sure
0: yeah another thing i find uh, probably that's kind of out of step which is a good thing is that Barbara Stanwyck's acting it seems this seems a lot more natural than other actresses at this time as well. There's a more of a
1: naturalness to it. Well, her she was acting. one of the highest paying actresses at the time, I believe. I can't remember but, who put this out. Was it Warner or MGM? I can't remember. MGM. Oh,
2: this is Paramount. Paramount, Paramount. okay.
0: But oh, I mean, that's if, right, but kid. if you but if you look at like you know Norman Shearer, Rosalind Russell, or Betty Davis, or Joan Crawford, or gene tyranny or any of the other actresses around this time they're always they're acting though i love i love i love them and there's nothing against them but all their stuff is kind of very like it looks like it's come from the stage right it's like there's yeah. a stage acting that's that's done been doing in the film where barbara Stanman caught me by surprise because there's kind of a there is kind of a ahead of her time kind of feeling to her acting like this is 1960s 1970s acting that we're yeah. watching not 1940s acting that we're watching yeah
1: yeah yeah,
0: that's a good so, point. So, what about your stuff, Joe? How many stars would you give this?
2: I I'd give it a full five. I absolutely love this movie, and I was excited when I saw that we were doing it. Um, I've loved this movie since the first time I saw it. I love Edward G. Robinson. I love Barbara Stanwyck. Uh, I don't. I haven't seen as much of Fred McMurray to really, uh, um, to really gauge how much I I I may or may not like him. Uh, but quickly before we move on. This morning, before we came on, I, I woke up a little early and then fell back asleep afterwards. But um, I realized I got a little bit of time and I looked at my double indemnity DVD. And the second disc was the 1973 remake with uh, Richard Crenna, Lee J. Cobb, and Samantha Eggers. Ah. And when I looked, it was only 75 minutes long. And I'm like, you know what? Let me knock it out real quick. For a movie that is half an hour shorter than this version, if feels so much longer really yeah Lee J. Cobb is great in it Richard Crenna is okay I couldn't buy Samantha Egger in this no. I really couldn't
0: She never uh, was a great actress though Samantha Egger was she I mean no,
2: yeah, she really wasn't
0: He always kind of reminds me of window dressing
2: And she doesn't have the she doesn't have the the presence and the sexiness of Barbara Stanwyck in this mm. <laughs> which kind of made me like like kind of left me cold because I'm like well why would any like she just kind of comes across in, in this, at least, you know, Samantha Eggard, nothing against her in other movies, like the brood and all that stuff. She's fantastic in those, but in the remake of double indemnity, I just kind of felt myself kind of felt watching it. Like, why would anybody fall for this woman? But enough about the 73 version, Billy Wilder supposedly hated it so much that he called Barbara Stanwyck after it aired and said, I hate this movie. They ruined our movie.
0: Do you know who Uh-oh. you know who could have been, You know who who would have done a good job in that role, Barbara Steele.
2: Yeah, yeah. You think?
0: Oh yeah, she's a, she could be seductress. She would underplay it. She did be like the, ambig- the ambiguity about it, um, the coolness about it. Those eyes, you know, you know. I was
1: gonna say she could just looking kill you looking up, eyes. looking up,
0: look up and down, looking up and down the sales and like you know, like. What Like in the women, what do they say? Like, search lights.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, she you definitely
2: see Barbara Steele. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... Uh, the remake is not... Um, I, I could say this as someone who watched both of them really close together. The remake, I didn't feel, was worth my time. Luckily, it was only 75 minutes long. But back to 44. Absolutely love this movie. I think it's... A case could be made for... Um, for Double Indemnity being possibly the greatest film noir film ever. Um, again, I think Billy Wilder gives himself a run for his money with Sunset Boulevard. I think that's that's up there, too. Um, he did The
1: Apartment as well, right?
2: That's really more of a comedy, though. But, yeah, it's uh, The Apartment. Yeah, Billy Wilder made a lot of great movies. If you guys, uh, uh, The Private Life of Sherlock Holmes is great. There's a lot of excellent, excellent movies uh, that he made. Um so if you're new to him, definitely check out some of his stuff. Uh he was way ahead of his time, uh, as I feel this movie was. Uh they did the best they could at at keeping things uh keeping things like like Vicky said, gritty and sleazy at a time period where you really couldn't show that on screen. But they made you feel every minute of this, man. They made you they made you
1: uh, use your imagination.
2: Yeah. They made you feel L.A. at at its grittiness uh, in this movie. Um,
1: Well, it's not like they didn't do a lot of they had a lot of the same things going on that we do now. Only back then it was definitely more puritanical society. Everybody was having sex and doing the nasty, but no one wants to talk about it. We're still like that in a lot of ways. You know, we always like, oh, no, my virgin ears you know, yeah, my,
2: you know, like, like I've, like I've said with a lot of people, my, my, my views on sex is the more we demystify it, I think the better off we all are as a culture, because if we just accept that it's just something that we do, because a our bodies need to do it uh, b, it's fucking fun, like, just, just enjoy yourself as long as everyone involved is
1: as a consenting adult. Yes. Uh, do it. <laughs> no,
2: no party that isn't, no party that isn't that doesn't want to be involved has to get involved. Then you do whatever you want. It it, it works. I, and yeah, unfortunately, yeah, times were more puritanical, but they found their ways around it in this movie. They found their way. That's what my, I
1: find so interesting about it because you knew, like you said, he was smoking a cigarette, and you know, she was getting ready to leave. So you knew they did it. You know, but I mean, sort of like my mother always And they and they did
0: that thing where time passed as well. Yeah, time passed. I guess
1: we were past the afterglow (laughs) of the moment, you know, where you sit there and tell each other how wonderful you guys are, and oh, that was good for me, honey. There is one thing about this movie
2: that uh, the uh, passage of time in this movie kind of confused me a little bit, especially after the murder. Right, like I couldn't tell, like. How Much time had passed here because they called well,
1: yeah, because they gotta make it look good. At least wait a month, two months, maybe. I
0: I think I think um I think I think there was a good three or four months that passed from the time of the merger here. Probably it's only it's only only because it's like it's only because she became a bit, you know, because she kept saying, like when they were meeting in the drugstore, oh you know, you know, how long is this gonna take? It's been a long time, and she kept saying that over and over, sort of thing. And you know, and the, and the thing is, you know, after a couple weeks, you get like that. And then, and then when it becomes like months, you tend to get a bit more needier as the time as the, as the time lo- lengthens. Right. So that, that I'm assuming. So I'm assuming it probably. Death. And then you also got to remember death. And by the time the claim goes through, OK, by the time they questioned her, you know, they got to bur- the husband's been buried for a little while. You know, she's saying she's still doing the morning thing. So that's probably a month. But then, by the time they investigate and I go through all that, you're looking at another two or three months. You got to remember how bureaucracy works. So I'm, right. that's why I'm assuming that's probably a little bit. That's why, in my mind, because I and you know, when it comes to insurance and trying to get money out of insurance, that doesn't come within a month. That okay. takes normally about six months. That could take up six months. And you know, that's in the that's isn't the age of computers. What's it like back then when everyone's just typing everything up and everything has to be sent by snail trail snail mail? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: Uh, the, my, my favorite thing about this movie though is the interplay in the relationship between uh, Fred McMurray and Edward G. Robinson. I absolutely love everything about their relationship. I love the mutual respect between the two of them. I, I love that they I love that although Edward G. Robinson never says it, Fred McMurray tells him, yeah, I love you too, constantly. Fred McMurray looks up to him. And even though when he gets offered the job, he doesn't take it, he doesn't want it. It's a desk job or whatever, but he's still. You can still see, as even in his um his desire to kind of beat Edward G. Robinson, you can kind of see that he he, he wants to do it because you are so good at your job, you're so good at everything you do, that for me to be able to 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 actually get one past you makes me feel better about myself because you're just that perfect
0: my father and son as well the son's all you know son's waiting to yeah. one day be more mature that he can be like one step above his dad so you get yeah. that relationship going on as well i am going to give this five-star rating i think it's excellent um it's kind of weird because i, I, you know, I saw it years ago sort of thing and I, I looked at it different i looked at it differently then and i i, I really love this film anyway but looking at it now i look at it a totally different way and i was able to see the lo- lots of layers in a movie that just has they more and more layers you. and it's kind of funny but in my mind fred mcmurray was the victim and now and now when i'm watching it now i would see him as someone very sleazy it's kind of he's weird he's very say-
1: sleazy louise he wants the money just as bad as she does and let's face it she's not the she's not some virtuous housewife you know
0: well yeah i've just, just thought they're... but even the way but even the way he talks to her or even the way like when he first starts talking to her i thought like oh this is kind of this is kind of yes, yeah it's really oh
1: it's ew, ew, ew. this, is, oh, like, this is like
0: toxic masculinity and it's worse
1: it's definitely <laughs> yeah, there you go you <laughs> yeah. find this this like,
0: oh, okay. like oh okay yeah that is you know, it
1: was kind of doing the whole way around which
0: which we'll probably discuss more in our next film but um but yeah, it was kind of like, oh, sort of thing. And then, and then I you know, then I saw the daughters differently, differently. And that's what I like about this. I like you know, it's a bit like, you know, when we covered the women or we cover the other black or whites when we covered like the Alfred Hitchcock films when we did that season and so on and so forth. That when you watch these older films, it's like you watch them you watch them at one at one age and then you watch them again at another age and then right. as you get old, you watch them again. And it's like and it's like it's like it's like, it's like, like a great big onion basically there's so many layers and as you as you go through life and you get more life experience and you start looking jaded. Life differently. i mean when you get you just jaded see- <laughs> Well, then you see and then you see everything here and then and of course then and then you realize what's interesting about this film and even though it's film noir means means black film but this film is all this whole nothing but shades of gray i mean it's like you can look at it this way or you can look at it that way or you can look right. at it this way the daughter's either innocent or she's just a jezebel or you know or or from really or Frederick Murray's just a mastermind and he's pretty much you know planted a seed into Phyllis's mind maybe or maybe you know and then he's he's really him that's I can take advantage, you know. You know, it can be any way you want to look at it, and any way that you do look at it is correct, you know. And that's what I you know, that's what I got double indemnity, yes, yeah, it's a classic, and it is one that you can watch over and over and over again, and you will see it many, many different ways. And I don't think you can beat something like that.
2: Well, yeah. that's that's how I feel about it too. Like I uh earlier this year when the Criterion Collection uh, uh released it. I bought the Blu-ray and instantly the day I got it, I threw it in and I watched it. And I probably didn't, I, I don't know, maybe I didn't have to rewatch it last night to, to do the podcast, but I love this movie so much that I didn't mind it really to throw it on and watch it again. And it, it still I- holds up.
0: Yeah, I mean, I got the Blu-ray of it all, and I love the little booklet that came with it, to the Criterion, <laughs> and then the documentary was excellent You guys as well. just need the
1: Criterion channel. You guys would be happy with that.
0: The only problem with the Criterion channel, though, you don't get the documentaries with it. Sometimes the documentaries are the best part of the the disc as well. Not long the movie. Like, I watched the movie, and then I watched the documentaries after I watched the movies because nothing's oh. better than people like film historians and people who are in love with, you know, the film itself, and they're explaining it, and Cinematography, I mean, I mean, the cinematography as well. You got to re- you know, I guess that's something we should mention as well. The cinematography in this is that films are quite flat looking, and if you look at this film, this film has a depth to it that you don't normally get at that time period as well, you know, which I quite liked as well. So, well, the,
2: well, the well. other thing about mm-hmm. Criterion that I love is, is the booklet, like Keith said. So, if we, we watch the Criterion channel. We don't get reading material on top of that either. And Mm. they're they're one of the best because they they constantly do those documentaries. I was uh, was telling
0: something. And the the commentary as well can be excellent.
2: Like I love how Warner, when they used to put out like like The Public Enemy and uh, Little Caesar and all those movies, I love how back then when they were releasing those on DVD in like 2005 or 2006, you'd get all these documentaries on there and you'd have like, like Martin Scorsese is interviewing like all these, all these film historians, and they're all talking about these movies. And Criterion's the only one that really still does that.
0: <laughs> yeah, because now, I mean, now if you buy like a, a Blu-ray, I mean, they're starting a little bit better. I mean, I noticed that you know as we go into Paul Verhoeven, if you look at some of his back catalog, like RoboCop or Total Recall, they're starting to come up with Criterion versions of there where they're actually bringing people back, and it you know together. So you're not just getting this promotional material to sell the film that what that you normally would get within a thing you're actually getting people who love the film and to see the film and you know they got stories about the film and it's you know which is kind of like um you know basic instincts the 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 new blu-ray of that's got some really interesting stuff on there now as well i
2: wanted to check that out i got the uh i have the basic dvd but uh robocop the arrow version of robocop sean has that and I remember the day he got it, I was looking through it. And I'm like, there's so much stuff on that. Um, I might have to eventually get the Arrow version of that.
0: Uh, I or, actually Apple ordered that. Little- I actually ordered that today. And it's in, it's in the Black Friday sale for like $8.99. Really? Yeah. That's not bad. I ordered that today. It's like, yay. <laughs> so, because I had to go down, I, have to, I, I, I well, I will find out. Well, we cover our next film because I'm a huge Paul Verhoeven fan. Love him. Which we'll be covering Basic Instinct, which is a 1992 neo-noir erotic thriller film directed by Paul Verhoeven and written by Joe Estevez. The film follows San Francisco police detective Nick Curran, played by Michael Douglas, who is investigating the brutal murder of a wealthy rock star. During the investigation, Curran becomes involved in a torrid and intense relationship with the prime suspect, Catherine Trammell, played by Sharon Stone, an enigmatic writer. As Chavez developed the script in the 1980s, it became a subject of a bidding war until Calico Pictures acquired the rights to the film. From there, Verho- Verhoeven <laughs> signed on to direct. Um, and Douglas and Stone joined the project after many actors were considered for the role of Tramiel before its release, Basic Instinct generated a controversy due to its overt sexuality and violence, including a rape scene. Gay right activists criticized the film's depiction of homosexual relationships and the portrayal of a bisexual woman as a murderous psychopath. In one scene, Stone's vulva was filmed as she crossed her legs, which she claimed was done without her knowledge, a claim denied by the director. Basic Instinct premiered by Los Angeles on March 18, 1992 and released in the United States by TriStar Pictures on March 20, 1992. It received mixed reviews from critics who praised the performances of this cast, original score and editing, but criticized its writing and character development. Despite these reviews and public protests, Basic Instinct was a box office success grossing $352 million worldwide, making it the fourth highest grossing film of 1992, behind Disney's Aladdin, The Bodyguard, and Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. Several versions of the film have been released on video cassette, DVD, and Blu-ray, including a director's cut with extended footage previously unseen in North American cinemas. The film was later recognized for its groundbreaking depiction of sexuality in mainstream Hollywood cinema, and was described by one scholar as a neo-film noir masterpiece that plays with and transgresses the narrative rules of film noir. Unfortunately, a sequel was released 14 years later called Basic Instinct 2, also starring Stern Stone, who obviously probably needed the cash, and was made without Verhoeven involvement. The sequel received negative reviews and was relatively unsuccessful, and if you... Are looking for something to wallow away at hours or you're a masochist, it's available on Hulu in America. Go for it. So what we're gonna do is cut to basic instinct, the trailer. And be- we
2: got 31 stab wounds, What was it?
0: Ice pick. To speak to him as Catherine Trammell, please. Is she a suspect? She's a suspect.
1: I wanted to write a book about the murder of a retired rock and roll star. You know how
0: she does the boyfriend? With an ice pick.
1: She intended the book to be her alibi. I picked him up, and I had sex with him.
0: You didn't feel anything for him. You just had sex with him for your book.
1: In the beginning. Then I got to like what he did for me.
4: You like playing games, don't you?
1: It's nice.
0: You've got no physical evidence. She's lying. What's your new book about?
1: A detective. He falls for the wrong woman. What happens? She
4: kills him.
0: Stay away from her. You are out of control, Current. You won't learn anything I don't want you to know. She knew I'd say she did it, and she knew that nobody would buy it. She is screwing with your head, Nick. She knows things about me that I only told you.
3: How does it feel to kill someone? You tell me. It was
1: liked it. You're in over your head.
0: She seduces people. It was internal affairs, wasn't it? She manipulates people. Freeze!
3: How much did she pay you? You to play her! Come on! She knows
0: where I live.
1: Games are over
0: now. Hello, welcome back to Literal License Podcast. We're discussing basic instinct from nineteen ninety-two. What about yourself, Vix? What are your thoughts of basic instinct?
1: Well, they didn't waste any time in the first five minutes. You get murdered, no. and you get sex right off the bat. And not only is it, is it a bloody, bloody murder, but you get real serious sex all at the same time. So, you know, we got coming and going at this in the same scene. So, yeah. <laughs> well, you do. I That's- mean, and, and you don't see the face. So, you know, really all the way through this movie, I mean, you got to wonder, is it Sharon Stone? until the end but you know it could have been anybody in the beginning that did it even though the boobs look the same but who knows um could have been the girlfriend i i just thought it was a really rough really it was a it really was it really didn't leave any to the imagination and it's so typical vintage michael douglas too because this is like his movie and i really when i was reading about it they actually based her character to copy kathleen um was it kathleen turner she's the one played his body, body she put to, to to have that gritty female feel about it and they, they encouraged her to act like that also katherine i think, I is think she was i think she's more like
0: people. kathy Kathy. um um i think she's more like kim novak in vertigo
1: you think i i could yeah. see that i could see yeah. that i could see that but it was also based on a true story. Um, apparently, there was a cop. Uh, there was a police reporter for Cleveland, the plane, in the, wherever, what it was called. He met a cop oh, who just liked here. the action too much. He was always in the middle of shootings. He was a great cop on one level, but another, you suspected he liked it too much. So this Nick Curran, ba- this is what he's based on. You know, he's, he's a cop. He's not a bad cop. But he's not a really honorable kind of cop either. Because what did he shoot people doing? He was all hyped up on cocaine and blew a couple of tourists away yeah. or something. Of <laughs> I mean, he does a lot of that through his movie. Was he from the McDonald's? What was that movie where he wants his Egg McMuffin?
0: Falling Yeah, Falling down. Oh, falling yeah, down. Falling
1: down. <laughs> and it's like or 959. They won't give this fucking Egg McMuffin. I kept thinking about that in this whole movie. I don't know why. But it, it was a great movie. I mean, I love Sharon Stone. always have. I think she's just one of those raw, unfiltered kind of actresses that not afraid to put it out there at all. She doesn't. I mean, she doesn't I, hold back nothing.
0: I mean, no one can look as uncool in a nightclub as Michael Douglas can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, I mean, nobody can <laughs> totally look as uncool as a bunch of guys, especially, you know, the, one, the guy that played in Jurassic Park. What is his name? The big guy.
4: Uh, oh Wayne! night wait yeah, night
1: nothing nothing is makes me happier than watching that most unsettling scene where she uncrosses her legs and crosses her legs and you got all these guys just joking on themselves
2: <laughs> i just kind of looked at it and i literally said at that point let's not be obvious there newman
1: yeah yeah
2: well yeah.
0: the he thing about the thing, thing about Wayne night though He's he's cornered the character actor. If you need a character actor that's gonna just sweat and look sleazy on the man, that's Wayne Knight. Jurassic Park, Wayne,
3: yeah, <laughs> like
0: Seinfeld, Wayne Knight. You know, yep. this is like he definitely got that,
1: he's definitely pigeonholed forever to be the sleazy guy mm-hmm. that that yeah, that's sweaty and yep.
0: I mean, uh, what's quite interesting is again, we are outside of the murder what it opens up with the murder scene before um but we are now crazy. we are now seeing the film through Michael Douglas's eyes.
1: Right. Everything
0: yeah. is through his eyes. You know, and how he how he looks at it because we don't see um the other characters when he's not there at all. True. Yeah,
1: that is true,
2: isn't it? Well, the exception of that opening scene.
0: Yeah, it's just the opening scene.
2: Uh, yeah I can't think of another scene where he's not in, you know he's not there in some
1: way. Well she has quite an entourage of characters too. She's got one girlfriend, his lesbian girlfriend whatever, who killed her two brothers for shits and giggles, I don't know. And then she's got the the the, the motherly friend who killed her family. It's like just weird.
0: Dor- just- Dorothy Malone, I mean, what Dorothy- casting. Yeah. What casting?
2: Dorothy Malone popping up as the uh yeah uh I forget the character. The killer
1: mother.
0: Yeah. Hmm. I mean I even like George um Dozu?
2: Oh, I yeah Sean and I were having the same conversation last time we put this in. I'm like, what the f- I had Zunda? It's the closest I think I could George I Zer- I, I-, I
0: I think that they missed a mark somewhere along the way because he would be fantastic playing Charles Derning's son.
2: <laughs> yeah. You could see it. Yeah, you can see the you can see the resemblance. Yeah. I gotta look
0: that up.
1: That's gonna
0: bug the shit out mm. me. I hate it when y'all do that too. But I mean I gotta say that what I find funny about Paul Verhoven's films is that when they come out, they always get mixed reviews then 10, 15 years or 20 years will pass. And all of a sudden they're like these, you know, even if you look at Showgirls, now it's being praised as something that it wasn't when it came out. And this movie as well, is like mixed. Now it's like, oh, this is one of the greatest film noir thrillers ever made now. But when it came out, I mean, this film was-
1: LGBTQ, M-O-U-S-E or whatever you say these days. They were really hot on it because they said it made homosexuals or or lesbian gay community look like they were violent people, which I didn't think at all.
0: Well, I mean, to be honest, I think what happens is that you hear, I think all they knew basically is, is that, you know, oh, it's a bisexual killer. But if they saw the, but I think that when, I think now that when they saw the movie and then after the movie came out and they realized like, no, this is a strong feminist female movie who's basically... Manipulating these toxic masculine, right. masculine men. I mean, all the men are very toxic and horrible. In this, oh in this God,
1: movie. yeah, every stinking one of them. They're awful.
2: Vicky <laughs> the other, Vicky the other day he said that this, the theme this week should be, uh, should be men are idiots.
1: Men are idiots. Yeah. Women are smart. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, because every movie and these guys. I mean, well, was explained to me by my dear old mama that you know it's just an affliction for men. Y'all can't help it. It's just an affliction
0: <laughs> Well it is like that song man smart, man smart women smarter isn't it so it's kind of like
1: <laughs> well in these particular instances because you know when she's when she's having sex with Michael Douglas and you see that white scarf come out
2: you're that going- should set off every alarm.
1: Yeah, you know, just like you know, is she gonna do him that way or what? I mean, she's not doing him already, but you know, but she, like,
0: but, she's, she will- but she's one fun. So she's one hundred. I mean, I mean, think about it. She is one hundred percent a mind fuck, really. Yeah, well, that's and she, all she is. is
1: a mind but fuck. but
0: she but another thing you're talking about a the one a, a clever mastermind here who's always five or ten steps ahead of everyone. Well, she's do five you notice
1: 100- how? they always make it look like well i wrote it that way i'd be really stupid if i committed the same crime michael douglas says that well it looks stupid because i already got an altercation with him it's all it's a it's all about you know i'll look stupid i already already did that why would i do that it'll make me look dumb kind of thing well it's true i mean
0: you know i mean that's what this way let's say that stephen king gets a dog gives it rabies and then sets it loose on a mother and child he's gonna be like well you can't i mean I'd be stupid to sit there and think that my dog Cujo did that. Why would I send right. my dog to do that? I wrote about it. I mean, it's true though. Why would I write something and then basically it's like it's yeah, because the thing is, you got to remember give that it gives
1: you an alibi.
0: It gives you an alibi, but at the same time, it's just too simple. Because when you when you get to something that's that violent or any kind of crime, you don't want something that simple. You want something a bit more intricate. It's a bit like. You know, let's face it. When crime does happen, normally, anyway, when it's not a serial killer or a psychopathic crime, right. when crime normally happens, it's because of t- one or two things: relationship gone bad or money. That's it. But when yeah, you take, you it, ta- yeah. when you take, but when you take, when you take that away from the thingy, now what we got is something a lot more complicated. It's like now we can't figure out why this. We, I mean, we still we're fascinated by serial killers and psychopaths or sociopathic killers, or people opening fire in um, public places, because we can't figure out the reason why. If we could figure out the reason why, we'd be bored with it, you know? But it's because we need the reason why. And if you're able to set up, say, you know, five or 10 steps ahead of everyone, because the thing is, is, at the end of the day, you have to remember that police work, FBI work, crime, it's all a procedure. There's a procedure in place about how to do this. You know, if, you know, if I, if you murder someone tomorrow, I mean, what's going to happen is the DNA and the crime labs and the police, and it's all procedure. And, but the thing is, what's interesting about Catherine Tamel is that she doesn't give, she only answers the questions that are asked her. She doesn't give any more or any less information around. And how do you catch a criminal? Because they always talk too much.
1: Yeah.
2: But in the, in this case, she does talk too much, or she does talk. Well, maybe she has not talk too really, much. Not
1: really, though. I mean, she's not yeah. offering much. I mean, she's just matter she's, of
0: fact. She's precise. She's precise. She's
2: very. Yeah, she's very cold. She's hmm. very cold and very precise. Maybe that's 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 may, maybe more of what I meant. Uh, there isn't a single thing that she says or that Catherine Tremell says or does in this movie that isn't done for a reason and isn't done to just completely fuck with the heads of anybody around her
1: right because that's well, just a psychology phd with. right
2: yeah
0: well I, is- mean, uh, I mean the thing is i mean look at look at the the supposed of uh, her girlfriend she sets her up to take the fall yep. she said she played all that you know yeah. so when she dies you know, she plays all that. She played off this girl. I mean, that she went to school with. That basically, this is a lot like what we covered with Gone Girl, right? But you know, I mean, to be honest, I mean, this has been quite a. You know, if you look at our book, The Screen, Gone Girl, and Basic Instinct. If you look at the character in Gone Girl, and you look at Catherine Tramell, they're not too far. They're not too dissimilar with each other. I mean, it, I mean, look at. Uh, I mean. Look at the way she, you know, she cut that, you know, she'd sit there and fakes her death, gets her husband to take the fall for her murder, even though she's not murdered, sets up everything. Basically, you know, she's, you know, in Gone Girl, I mean, she basically takes a wine bottle, shoves it up inside of her, pulls it out very quickly to make it look like she was raped. To sit there, And because her because uh, a, a boyfriend decided he was going to break up with her. So she gets him for rape and ruins his life. I mean, it's just, a, you know, and then when you look at Catherine Tammel's character, saying things, She's 10, you know, she's five, 10 steps ahead of everyone. And even in her personal relationship, she's five or 10s relationship. I mean, you know, people are for people are her playthings. This is what she does.
1: Yeah, I'm just wondering what what the psychology but what what's her story, though, that she's like this. Why does she want to she's fuck so- with people so badly, you know?
0: She's a sociopath she's bored.
2: yeah, she? she's she's a bored sociopath who's just like, "What can I do? Like when you're that a, smart, when you could when you're that smart, that rich, that beautiful, yeah, you're bored well,
0: I mean, let's cut this back to school. let's cut this back to school days. And normally if you got a kid that's um that basically is um, basically very disruptive all the time, and basically is hard to settle down. Chances are that the reason for that is because if there's not problems at home, problem is that he's normally bored because he's too intelligent for his class. And so and he's not being, you know, and he's so basically what he's doing is becoming disruptive and everything because he's very, very bored because he's intelligent levels higher than everyone else around him.
1: Yeah, he's entertaining so, himself.
0: Yeah. And so what he needs, so what they so what they normally have to do is they, they accelerate that student. Or find other ways to keep his mind active and busy, so therefore he doesn't become bored anymore. Right. And with with someone like Catherine Tamel, what we got is someone who's extremely intelligent, extremely far superior than everyone else around her. And basically, she's bored. You know. So basically, you know, she, you know, this is how she, you know, this is how she sees her time. But at the same time, you have to admire her because we're talking about someone who's very, very strong in their own self-belief i mean she's sexually you know she doesn't have any sexual hang-up she's very very free and she's very very comfortable inside her own body and it's very i mean and that and to be honest and the right there, that right then and there that's a problem for us in society right. how many of us can say that about ourselves
1: not many
0: you know and you know she has no insecurities whatsoever she is you know you know, you can think, you know, society can pin her with a bunch of different labels of what we think she is, but how she feels about herself and within herself, that's something to quite be admired. I mean, it'd be, I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't want to go to the lengths that she asked to, but it'd be right. great to feel that, that comfortable in my own skin and be quite happy with myself. Not sure if I would want to be that cold hearted though, but because everything comes at a cost, doesn't it? You know, what, if yeah. someone gives you with the right hand, you know, something's got to go away with the left hand sort of thing. So
2: yeah, and I mean yeah. she's this entire movie. Yeah, you know, like I said, everything she does is calculated, and it is it is thought of well, well, well in advance. Now uh, the negative reviews. I wanted to. I looked up the cisco and Ebert review. It's on YouTube, and I have to disagree with them on something because I guess they only saw the movie once. This was my second time watching the they movie. didn't
1: like anything though. Those two hardly.
2: They didn't like any genre stuff apparently. Um, but the thing that stu- that stuck out to me is they said that the uh, you know uh, who the killer turns out to be isn't uh, isn't actually well thought out and it's just that you know it's just a random shot at the end and, and the clues don't matter when I was watching this last night I was watching it with the idea of do- does it all tie together and I feel like it does Mm-hmm. Um, there's scenes where you you know they're talking about whoever this killer is is someone who's intelligent but a sociopath, and they'll cut to Jane Triplehorn. You know right. they'll they'll keep and they'll keep going back to she's the one who's acting erratically all the time. Catherine Tremell is very very cold and very straightforward. Jane Triplehorn keeps losing her shit. She's the one that keeps uh, uh, you know that keeps flipping out. It's not um, uh, it's not Sharon Stone
0: at all. So but, I mean, and, and, but another thing that's interesting is that those those her characters flipping out. Why is the character flipping out? It's not because of Catherine Tremble. It's because of Michael Douglas's character is making her flip out. He's playing her. He's the yeah. one that's screwing with her. It's not Catherine screwing around with her. He's screwing around with her. I mean well, she might he has got the his
1: public. own set of issues too though. I mean he's been one he's under a psychiatric well care of this doctor who I am trying to figure what's the doctor who he's doctor
0: sleeping who he's sleeping with
1: who he's sleeping with but she also who? slept with Catherine Trammell in college and she but was that, very embarrassed over that interaction.
0: Well, that, she says she's embarrassed, but you got to remember this is the nineties and people weren't as free about their sexual exploits at that time. You know, now, now, okay, let's sit there and say that, you know, let's say it's 19, let's say it's 2018 and she's in college and she has a, and she, you know, she has a lesbian experience. I'm not sure that in 2025 that she would sit there and be embarrassed by it anymore. Right. But in this time period, she would be sort of thing. So, and another thing is, it's like, you know, if something happens, you had sex with someone who's up for a murder case and you don't like, you know, you're not 100% honest about it. It kind of may, you know, you're kind of putting yourself in a line of fire here as well. So you kind of have to go, you, know, you need to deflect because it's like, well, okay, was yeah, to I knew out, her. Do we
1: have two murderers here? Do we have the good cop doctor and Sharon Stone, or is it just one person?
0: It's it's Catherine Chamel's uh you, you gotta. I think what you need to do is I think you need to look at her history. She wrote a book,
1: right, right,
0: about, about her parents, right, after her parents died. That basically right. pretty much tells about what happened to her parents.
1: Yeah, we got we now
0: na- we na- we now na- we now got the one about the rock star and da 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 So yeah, basically, that, now this is playing out after she wrote the book. And now you know what's happened before a crime happened, and then she wrote a book afterwards. But how does then the doctor
1: get- fit in? Because she's got a set of issues too—the wig, everything. Well, else. I, think, I think I for-
0: think she's assessed. And the thing is, is I think Catherine Tamal. I mean, obviously, she knows someone in the police force anyway, because she knows. You know, Michael Douglas comes back. You know, um, Nick comes back and goes, "Oh, I da 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 She goes, "Yeah, I know. She knows everything before he even tells her. So obviously, she knows somebody inside somewhere. We don't right. know who because we're seeing everything th- because because we're seeing everything through Nick's eyes. We don't really know what Catherine's doing when she when she's not with Nick. But obviously, she, you know, she knows. You know, she knows enough. She knows enough about. You know, obviously." you know, she might have someone playing, you know, she might be playing someone else at the same time. I mean, there's the tape, mes- you know, you know, Jeannie Trepperhorn's character shows up or Beth shows up and sits there and goes, um, oh, I've showed up here because um, I got a, uh, something on my answering machine. And then what does, you know, after she gets shot and everything like this, and what does the other um, <laughs> um, detective say to um, Nick's character? We went to her... We went to her apartment and there is nothing on there's no it was a blank tape in her right. answering machine who has a blank tape in their answering machine. Only when Nobody it's asked. new only when it's new. Yeah, and then, and then also it's like oh then there's the ice pick and also there's all these clippings in a in a kitchen drawer. And Nick, I mean, let's face it, Nick's been going over to her house. You know, he's, he, well, he's, he's, raped. he's basically rape date, you know, rape dated her anyway. But obviously they've had sexual relationships inside that, inside her house, inside her flat. She's been there. I imagine he probably stayed and had coffee, tried to got, maybe got up, make coffee for himself and didn't once open the drawer and notice that stuff. I mean, it's just all a bit. Well, a little too convenient. Yeah.
1: Well, I don't think community. anybody's innocent about anything in this movie. I think everybody's got a sin of some sort, you know, that they don't well, want to come the
0: out. Pl- well, the police are lazy, first of all. And yeah, thing very. is, I mean, and what's the problem with Nick? Problem with Nick is that he's basically got a God complex and he thinks he's better than everyone else. That's Michael Douglas' character. Oh, I'm better than everything. Oh, you know, the tourists got shot. Well, they shouldn't have been there. Oh, I mean, so oh, I was up. on, oh, or I was like, yeah, but that's an excuse. I shot two tourists because I was coked up. That's but that's what the
1: excuse they're giving.
0: That's the what excuse that he's giving. That's the excuse he's giving. He does. He's not taking responsibility for himself. Not at all. When he gets called the shooter, it's like, aha, oh, dear, you call me that? But that's what he is. Yeah. You know, um, and then it's like, oh, you're going to start smoking again. And then he starts smoking again. they like, starts drinking oh, again. <laughs> you know and the thing is is like you know so obviously he's he's a he's a guy that plays back to type you know he's not a strong character at all he's weak you know he quit smoking he goes back to to smoking he quit drinking he goes back to drinking you know obviously he has a sex addiction on and then basically it's like you know he meets beth he, he has you know he sees you know Catherine, and you know, cross her legs and then goes and goes, okay, I'm going to now rape my therapist, which he, yeah. I mean, that's a that's a brutal rape. And then he doesn't really apologize for it. Not
1: at all. And well, I still think he thinks she enjoyed it.
0: Oh, yeah. But then it doesn't help that basically, you know, she did the female thing where it's just like, okay, we're dating and so I'm going to, I know, okay, I just, I don't want this to happen, but now I'm going to play along with it. Yeah. But it doesn't necessarily mean that she enjoyed it. I mean, because she didn't look like she enjoyed it afterwards. You know, no. she was she was the one lighting up a cigarette. He was the one lighting up a cigarette. She was just trying to get herself together.
1: Yeah, he just got and up and uh, yeah. He
0: didn't take, but he didn't take any notice in it.
1: No, oh, he didn't miss a beat. I forgot about that.
0: You know, and the thing is, so his care. I mean, his character is terribly flawed, and the reason, and to be honest, it's it's pretty easy to play someone like that because if someone's that flawed that means they have so many more weaknesses that you can exploit. And it's quite easy to exploit something. If right. he can, if, And if you can exploit one of his weaknesses, like quit smoking, and all you have to do is say to him, like, well, you know you want one, don't you? Yeah. It's like, that's classic school. That's classic school. Room. Well, they did
1: think it was funny. Like Sharon Stone had his number right from the beginning because she kept trying to offer him cigarettes. Remember that? She like a cigarette now or... So, I mean, she just fucked with him right from the beginning. I mean, I think he totally. Deserved well, I, I think he got I think from she, her.
3: but <laughs> I
0: think she knew. I think she knew that he was going to be the cop that's going to be investigating anyway.
1: Yeah. Well, she, it she already like knew, she knew, about, knew a lot about him. That I means
0: she, she knew got, about him before he showed up. On he, she, she knew about him before he showed up.
1: Well, she knew everything about him. You
0: she was know? well. She was before she murdered the rock she, guy. She knew that she knew that he was going to he's going to be the investigator on it. She had his number. She, she she, she was able to set everything up if she wanted to. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, she knew about him being the shooter. That's the first thing she says to him. You know, and you got to remember, she didn't go, you know, he didn't show up at the door. And, you know, she thought that you know, they show up, you know, at the beach house. You know, she didn't have, you know, this is before Google. She didn't go hurry up and Google his name before. He's it's like, it's like oh, the detective's on his way to, oh, okay, I'll Google real quick. You know, it's like, you know, she would, she would know this information beforehand because this is what you had to do back then, sort of 1992. You know, in those days, she, you know, she went on AOL. She'd probably still be dialing up.
1: <laughs> like, I don't like, even think even AOL others. was around yet.
0: Yeah. No, probably not. That was about 95, 96, wasn't it?
2: Yeah,
0: I think so. So she knew. So she knew everything before before he even showed up. So she she was able to know that he was going to be this guy and the you know what I mean and set everything in motion because she already had her book. I mean, if you think about it, she already had her book ready to write. She knew what she, her next book was going to be about. It's going to be about detectives. She needed, you know.
2: Yeah, she'd already started setting him up.
0: Yeah, before before she even murdered the murdered the guy in the beginning. Do you do think she did it? Yeah. Because, well, the thing is, this is like, you know, either that or I she's the a, she's a, she's a, she's, a she's, she's a victim of circumstance because it seems like everyone dies around her for some reason. Her parents died. The boxer died. Yeah. The, uh, the rock guys, he's screwing dies. And now the detective is like involved and she's writing up and they always seem to be some kind of book that, and all revolved around a book that she's written or gonna write. Well,
1: she didn't kill him though, did she? You know, Michael Douglas in the end, she could have killed him.
0: Well, she, for now. Well, we haven't seen Basic Instinct 2. Yeah, that's true. Well, well, he didn't come back for the sequel so he could be dead. (laughs) Yeah, she could
2: have killed him afterwards.
0: Because the thing is, is because of what he says at that moment in time. He says the right thing at that moment, so she leaves the so she li- leaves the pick at, the ice pick underneath the bed, and then grabs over and kisses him because he says the right thing. But, but he just happ- omitted
1: having kids and living happily ever after.
0: But what happens when he says the wrong thing?
1: I don't know. He said the, the right wrong thing, now. thing. Did, did, did the guy say the wrong thing? That was the rock star. I mean, you know
0: well he's coked up and basically you know it's a power i mean the thing is she's done with him, and the thing is she was she needed the rock star she said it in herself though the reason why the reason why the rock star is dead because she needed him to write the book she enjoyed the sex now that the book's done i don't need him anymore right i guess well the book's out she doesn't need him anymore Right. You know, so, and, and then why does she need Mike? Why does she need well, Nick? How many character? books because did she
1: write and keep getting away with that, though, when you think well, about it? Well,
0: many, how many books has Stephen King got out?
1: But yeah, because Stephen King is killing everybody in daring New Hampshire.
0: Well, the thing is, is like, I mean, the thing is, it depends on how clever you are. I mean, the thing is, is like, you know, I, don't, I mean, to be honest, I would love to read one of her books because when I saw the covers of them, they had that 80s you know 90s, the eighties the nineties eighties nineties but 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 they had those eighties um paperback covers to them didn't yeah. they <laughs> it's like you know paperbacks from the eighties yeah Just like like a flowers in the attic kind of um yeah you know, John well, Saul the whole movie kind of, had a
1: vibe but, you know I thought the whole movie had like the vibe of BC Andrews for some reason.
0: Yeah I mean I w- I would read those kind of books. I mean they look like kind of like these kind of sleazy little horror murder books that I used to yeah, read like by I Richard Lehman and people like that
1: that true crime crap and everything. Yeah. I used to love
0: but, that you know, but, you know, even like, you know, Ghost House by, you know, Mary Higgins Clark and things like that. I mean, it's had that kind of feel to it. So I would have read those books. But it I said before, the problem basically is, is that if, if you keep writing books and people keep dying that are the subjects or her books are a bit too sim- similar to her, you're going to have to change your MO at some point sort of thing. Right. I mean, she's only, this is only her third book. So she probably could get away with it
1: she's gonna but, start running out of people i mean but it doesn't really show why she's hanging out with murderers oh wait wait they, they well, weren't she, part of her title in her books i get that but i mean she, she, well she, she like,
2: says it's to get into the mindset of the killer
1: that's yeah but when she's done with people writing the book i thought she was done you know
0: yeah but but she but the the killers that she's hanging around with are not the subjects of her books she does. She doesn't write about a woman, a, a housewife who do, who kills who kills her family. She doesn't write a book about that. She doesn't write a book about a lesbian who decides to offer two brother her siblings.
1: Right.
0: You know, her next book is about a detective who's investigating a crime, who could be or could not be a killer. And Michael Douglas is a killer. He ends up killing. I mean, if you look at when he shoots, when he shoots Beth anyway, he, she doesn't say anything threatening towards him. No. She has her hands in her pockets, but there's nothing to sit there and go, she is. And if you listen to what she says, there's nothing in what she says that even says that she has any iota of guilt anyway, or that she's trying to cover herself or that she's trying to cover up for what happened. She doesn't know what a happened.
1: He's high strung, isn't he?
0: Yeah, but she doesn't. I mean, Beth doesn't know what happened when she shows up. She doesn't know that his partner's dead in the elevator. She doesn't know any of that stuff. And you can tell.
1: Well, but well, well, yeah, but she either had something to do with it and she dropped the, the wig and the bloody whatever in the in the stairwell and came out. Well, somebody but, was but, there killing somebody. No,
0: no but the thing the thing is though, you gotta and, and if go back and watch the last. 20 minutes of the movie Beth comes around the hallway. She doesn't come through the staircase The staircase door is next to the elevator Right. Beth comes from a hallway and comes around a corner She doesn't come out that door And where did they find the blonde wig and and the thingy? On the the stairwell. She didn't come out of the stairwell She didn't come out of that stairwell The stairwell's here there's a the hallways here and it curves around she comes about around the curve of the stairwell and then comes towards nick and says that i'm here what do you want and they find that there and as i said before and then they go to her apartment and it's like none of none of her her office answering machine and her home office machine has no messages on it at all they're right. blank tapes and then she has a drawer full of clippings from Catherine Tremell and her boy and her sexual ink. I mean, come on! I mean, to be honest, if I was gonna set, if I was gonna kill somebody and want to set up Catherine Tremell or set up anyone, I'm not gonna put that in a kitchen drawer. No, you know what I mean. You know, that, that, I mean, it's all too convenient. And the thing is, we're talking about a psychiatrist. If, if the case of that she is if she is guilty of anything. She's gonna have a. She's gonna be pretty bright about everything. It's not gonna be that easy.
1: Well, she's not a stupid woman. I mean, she knows how to deal and manipulate woman. people. She knows how to get away with stuff. She knows how to work. The, the, you know, whatever's yeah. going on around her.
0: I know, and Catherine Tamal knew that basically is that once her girlfriend dies, this is my chance to show weakness. Oh, Nick, I really need you now. And that right. Drake, that that captures him. I can now save her from the people around her. I can be her hero. I could be her savior. She right. doesn't need saving. She'll save herself. She doesn't need a knight.
1: Right. But, no. Nick, no, but, Nick,
0: but Nick needs to be the hero. He needs, he needs. I mean, what's the worst thing that happens to Nick in this whole movie? It's I when, it's when, no, when Catherine says, I no longer want to be with you.
1: Well, that's He's but she does does she do that because she really doesn't want to be with him, or because she wants to protect him? Because she seems like she still wants to be with him. Ten minutes later,
0: she's like a cat with a mouse. And the problem basically is, is how 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 was the best way to injure Nick? He's all in now. I don't <laughs> want you anymore. Right. And this is the fir- and this is the first time that you see Nick wounded in any way is when she says that to
1: him. Well, he's a and real bag. I, I mean, he's after- got it coming. Everything he he gets, he's got it coming. I feel no empathy towards Michael Douglas's character at all. Well,
0: and I and I do think that you know he comes running back, and the thing is, is like you know, Beth gets killed, sort of thing. He comes running back, and she's thinking like, "Oh shit! Well, I need to get rid of him because I don't need this hanging around my neck." And I think, I think she purposely was going to get get rid of him, and it probably just disappears because, I mean, she's the kind of person that probably has the money and the know how and everything. Just she probably has a fake ID and a fake, you know, she's going to dye her hair right. color. And she probably she's going to go move to France somewhere and probably have another life if she wants to. But, you know, because she's like that. I think that basically it's like, oh, shit. But because he said the right thing at that time, I think that bought him a little bit more time. But he's not going to last forever.
1: Not with her. No, he's a jerk. That. He probably, yeah, he needs to go.
0: But at the same time, he's quite a good little plaything at the moment because he's a plaything. He's easy to manipulate.
1: Well, that's what I'm about. Fuck is. of the century. Or so he says.
0: Well, I mean, every guy in this movie is thinking with his penis. I mean, uh, I mean, oh, to be God, honest, yes. <laughs> you know, watching the movie, I couldn't understand why the gays were upset at the movie. I
1: didn't understand why the gays were upset either, because even the, um, even the lesbian people they were portrayed in a really bad way.
0: Well, I I think I think the I think what they did is they got an outline of it, and then the outline probably sounds a lot worse than what the reality is, and that's what sometimes happens. So I did I saw from I didn't see the bad thing about that. If I, if I was going to be offended, I would be offended by being a, a white, straight male in this movie because they don't come off well at all in this movie whatsoever. No, we're complete idiots in this movie. Yeah,
1: but this—you know—that you know there's people out there, like that, male or female. They really do think that they are all that in a bag of chips.
0: Um, yeah, but I mean, I'm talking about every single man in here, every single man in. Well, this they're all movie.
1: typical. They're they're all typically. Yeah, I mean, they're all. Horrible.
0: Well, I mean, to be honest, is like they're they're questioning, it and all she has to do is, I mean, the not thing very is,
1: professional.
0: Well, all she has to do is cross her legs and not wear underwear, and basically, their minds just stop thinking
1: and they started sweating <laughs> well and
0: the thing is is like it all sounds like you know you know if you know if she dressed differently if she wasn't dressed like kim novak and vertigo when you first see her in that white outfit and her hair done up right. and stuff like this if she was you know if she came out there and she was in like dungarees or a flannel shirt or dressed down sort of thing and you know they probably would, they probably would just have been nailing at her sort of thing. But there's like, cause she saw that in it. And the first thing that goes through the men's mind is like, oh, I, maybe I got a chance with her. I might, I can have that. Yeah. That's what they're thinking. She's thinking I'm a, you know, I'm an independent woman and I'm free with myself and I'm happy with myself. And you know, if you want to look at me, go for it, but you guys can just fuck off. Cause I don't give a shit what you think.
1: Basically, I'm going to be
0: me. And you know she plays the men against their weaknesses, and that all this whole thing's about men against their weaknesses. Even the rock star that gets murdered is about the the rock star's weakness.
1: Well, we didn't even really see what the rock star did that 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 drove her to. Well, it.
0: he was a coke addict, and what does she say? When he did mention, oh, he only wanted. To, he, he was always into watching, you know, oh, you know, watching me with Roxy, and he liked to you know, he liked to play and he was sexually adventurous and, you know, it's all about this. And it's She all, liked to have sex selfish. with him,
1: that was about
0: it. She liked to have sex with him, but at the same time, it's just like, but she was in charge. He wasn't in charge. He liked, I think the rock star, I mean, if you look at rock stars and the way that they are and the way they are with groupies and we're looking at a traditional, I mean, because we right. don't have a lot of information, I think we have to fill the blanks here. And looking at him as a traditional rock star and, and someone who was big oh. and had groupies and all this other stuff. Oh. Obviously, he has this huge... He's probably a huge egotistical asshole anyway. Probably. So she could play him.
1: Yeah, probably wasn't too much of a a big risk for her to take him out. But I, I mean, I still wonder if it was her. Do we really know if it was her that first murder, though, even?
0: I think it was her. If or it's her M.O.
1: girlfriend, you know?
0: I don't think it would be the girlfriend, because I don't think... Why would the girlfriend put in a wig and kill and kill her because to be honest, they didn't, it's not like she, it's not like they knew that they didn't have any witnesses to the crime. They had no witnesses seeing anyone leaving or coming into the house. They don't, they didn't have anyone, oh, they saw a blonde person leaving or anything like that. So why would she need a wig or anything? Why this, why would someone have to fake who they are to be in that situation? The housekeeper, the the, the body was found by a housekeeper who found the body the next day. Right. It wasn't it wasn't because, uh, oh, you know, it's, it's not until, you know, this is before DNA anyway. But, you know, um, you know, I think, you know, if this movie is made today, we have to like do the whole DNA thing. But the thing is, there's no witnesses. So the who's ever perpetrating that crime does not have to pretend that there's someone that they're not. Yeah,
1: makes sense.
0: You know. You only have to pretend. You only you only need to pretend you're somebody that you're not if you know that there's going to be some, you want someone to witness what you're doing.
1: Well, she wants people to witness stuff. I don't know if it's the murdering part. Well, but
0: she but no, a lot witnessed. of
1: voyeurism going on in this movie. Well,
0: no, but no one witnessed the rock star being killed. No,
1: no. he was a, he was in a
0: Hollywood he was in a Hollywood building a house in the middle of uh, like in the hills. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't in the middle, you know, he wasn't like in a motel or a hotel or
3: anything or an like that
0: yeah. in an apartment, you know, he didn't need, there was no doorman around sort of thing. So that's why I'm saying that, you know, they don't, the only person that knows anything was the housekeeper who found it the next day. That's the only clue in that.
1: You have to have to watch the second one now because I'm not getting closure. You know what a big person I am on closure. And this really, I never, I hate it when I get into a movie, there's no closure. Top Gun, really either way like to go, Maverick. Total closure on that character. There's closure forever on Tom Cruise. Not actually, so with Sharon Stone. Huh? I, actually,
2: I actually like when, when they don't spell everything out for you. Um, well,
1: I do too, but I mean, I kind of like to know, you know, I mean, because I get vested in characters. I love her. I mean, I want to see all the seedy cops, you know, just get their comeuppance, because they're all a bunch of gross men. But... Well, uh, but, you don't. I don't really know if she did these crimes, though, for sure, in my own viewship here, so.
0: Well, I mean, I just, I mean, the reason why I think she does it, because I'm afraid that, I don't care how much bad luck you have in your life, but if, if a lot of, everyone's dying around you, and so many people <laughs> have died around you, chances are they you know, and the only. Well, and the only connection that they all her, have though. together is you. And the thing is it's not it's not we're talking about, we're not talking about people having a heart attacks or having a stroke. We're talking about people who've died like in a really weird way. Ice picks. You know?
1: Yeah.
0: Ice picks, train train crashes. True. You know,
1: jumping off of trains, supposedly.
0: Yeah. yeah. And like it was just, it me. was, I
1: don't know. Women, women are just no, I guess, I guess in the particular case with these two films, the women just knew how to manipulate the men folk. You know,
2: I mean that, that that if anything could be the common theme here is is women who knew how to use their sexuality to get a man to, you know, basically do whatever they want.
0: Well, we got it in the women and the opposite of sex as well,
1: right? True, yeah. yeah. On top of that, though, I don't think men are. I mean, it makes men look bad, but for the most part, I think men know when they're being played, or don't you?
0: Um, I think I think the problem I think the problem basically is is that I think there is a part of society with Part of men's society where they think that they that they're stronger and more uh, smarter than women, and so they underestimate women, and that's the problem. When you under, when you ever underestimate anyone, whether it's you know an equal, a friend, or anything like that, and you underestimate them, chances right. are you're the fool anyway. You know, if you look at any kind of bad situation that you found yourself in it's normally because you underestimate the person who's been screwing around with you.
1: Right. It's be, and
0: and the reason why you would underestimate them because you think that, A, that you're better than them or there's no way they can do that to you. But then you find yourself in that situation that they actually have done that to you. And so what do you do? You don't just get angry with them. You end up get angry with them and hating them, but at the same time, you end up you're you're really actually more angry at yourself, really. But I mean, putting yourself in that position because you couldn't see yourself in that situation. How dare they?
1: Yeah, I I just I just <clears throat> it just kind of took this this particular movie kind of just kind of threw a bunch of things up in the air and not all of them landed on the same level for me. Mm. I, I mean, I love the movie, but I still just kind of baffled by a, a few things because you 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 think. You seem really, you know, I I think that that it's just (laughs) obvious that it would be Sharon Stone and not the other ladies in the movie that were doing the killing. But
0: see, I I don't, when I see this movie, I don't see this as a murder mystery. I see this as a person playing a mastermind game and getting away and, and and how she plays everyone to get away with it. Right, it's a bit like, and this, and I think, you know, this also reminds me of like Gone Girl. Have you seen Gone Girl, the David Fincher film? Mm. I've not seen the film. No, give the film, give the film a watch because it's basically kind of almost the same. I'd like kind of it, yeah. Where I basically do, think you you think, you think you're think you're watching you think you're watching a film about a a man who's killed his wife, but actually yeah. it's different. It's different than what you're seeing because what you're seeing is basically oh you know. A woman who's taking control of her life, who's taking control of the situation around her.
1: Right.
0: And so when you do watch, so so and, and you know, basic instinct, same thing, same thing with double indemnity. You can look at this as like, is Barbara Stam like a victim, or is she someone taking control of the situation? And at the same time, she is being under, you know, if she is taking advantage of Frederick Murray's character and find just, you know, double indemnity, or if Michael Douglas's characters um, being taken advantage of by Sharon Stone, it's because they basically are weak and letting themselves be caught up in this web anyway, because they're underestimating because they both think that they're better than the woman. They think they're better than their adversary. Oh, they think they can get one out. I mean, what's, what's Nick's thing in Basic Instinct all the way through? Right. I'm sticking with her because I know that I, I know that, you know, she did it and I know that I can capture and I know that she's going to slip up. And I know that I'm can be a set of her. And I know that could be, Oh, he was Mr. Egotistical
1: pissing contest kind of guy,
0: but he says this over and over and over again, not realizing that basically the little head is thinking for the big head the whole time through the whole movie, right? You know?
1: Yeah. I
0: mean, when most men, when most and if you look at when most men get in trouble, whether it's in, you know, murderous crimes or or it has something to do in relationships or even with serial killers, it always tends to come down to their penis anyway.
1: (laughs) I guess.
0: Isn't that right? I mean, isn't it a penis that lies into life most of the time?
1: I don't know. It makes people crazy. You know
0: that. You know the women wasn't wasn't the whole problem. in The women's because the guy's penis was getting in the way of a sales lady instead of his wife.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: You know the opposite of sex isn't. Then his penis get in the way of the showgirl.
1: Well, the woman was getting in the way of the marriage, too, though. I mean, it does kind of work both, yeah, ways.
0: but he but he's the but he's the one that let himself fall for her. He's the one that went down there. she I mean, to be honest, he didn't just walk he just didn't <coughs> walk around and then basically he tripped over and his dick fell inside her vagina,
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: you know, you know, and you know, the interesting thing about this kind of thing is that, you know, what I, what I found interesting about basic instinct because we don't really get a female perspective is that the way the females think about other females and in basic instinct. She's manipulative, you know it's like you know Bess says it over and over she's manipulative da da, 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 da da but the man's like, oh I know better than you, I'm not gonna listen to you
2: hmm.
0: you know and even 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 um when he, you know Nick says that, oh she's the fuck of the century to the girlfriend and the girlfriend's just like, yeah. really? Yeah, no. that was
1: bad, bad, bad form. He's a very crass, lewd individual. He's not even a very good cop. Mm-hmm. I don't even understand why, she, not unless Sharon Stallings is trying to root out people that have justice needing to be meted out to them, literally. Well,
0: I mean, basically, I mean, Nick, Nick, Nick in his t- in teenage years probably would have appeared in Porky's. Probably. You know? And, that, and that's what I think what I like, quite like about Paul Verhoeven's films anyway, because he gives us a look at American life. And even though at the time when they come out, they don't hit like RoboCop. And if you look at um, the commercialism and the things in there, Starship Troopers with the, mili- the military thing in it, or you look at, um, you know, Hollow Man. And or if you look at all his American films that he's done. They don't hit at the time, but now when you look back on them and they look, you actually realize that he's actually hit American culture straight, straight down in the middle. And the reason why critics don't like it because I think he gets a bit too, he hits the he the arrow hits the bullseye a bit too hard for us living in American culture. Because I mean Total Recall, I mean that's another film that hits right straight through to the American the whole American culture sort of thing. Right. And this is an outsider. And when you hear to, um, Paul Verhoeven talk about basic instinct. What's the one thing America has a hang up about? Oh, it's they sucks. don't mind violence they don't mind anything but God forbid if you show a tit on on a Super Bowl I mean look at poor Man Jackson I mean she barely I mean she still has not still. America still hasn't forgiven her about that.
1: I don't even and think all... anybody thinks of that. Well, that's because it was a family show.
0: No, it's basically. not. It's just a, but it's just a fucking nipple. I don't care. Boobs are bo- No, no, but what I'm saying is that her, she was crucified and it's just a nipple. America has a problem with sex. They now do. Europe, now Europe's different. Europe has a problem with violence. Yeah. They don't have a problem with sex. So you can see as much sex as you want to. And I mean, basically you see a lot <laughs> of it. I noticed. Um, you know, just watch you know, just watch any Spanish or Italian or English series or something like that. We don't have a problem. Violence, we have a problem with, but in America, right. it's it's different. You know, the problem is, you know, and now then, you know, and so this is where you know, this is where it's quite interesting. So we got Verhaven, you know, what's the first thing that America had a problem with? The raw sex of it all. That's it. It wasn't the violence you know it wasn't like it was her
1: well it was bloody kill that first kill was pretty bloody
0: yeah but that but the thing is if you read any reviews or anything about basic instinct when it came out they're talking about her riding on top of him oh yeah the sex in it but they don't say anything about the ice pick going through his eyeball through (laughs) the side or they like the constant stabbing you know and they talk about you know the sex between her and michael douglas you know you know, but, but they don't really mention the rape scene, which is quite interesting in, in its time <laughs> because to be honest, that's probably the most brutal that you're gonna see that rape scene between her uh, Nick and Dick and Michael, the,
1: the the psychiatrist, Michael Douglas. Yeah,
0: and, and you know, that's probably that's I mean, that's quite that's very uncomfortable. I was but I was a little shocked in much.
1: retrospect because I hadn't seen this movie in many, many years. So I mean that kind mm. of just and I totally forgot about the rape scene existence. I was like, Yeah, that was a little much. But, but I the, guess it was the, a necessary
0: part. Yeah, but what did America have problems with? They didn't. They didn't have problems with the rape scene. They no. had problems with the woman who isn't fully in charge of her sexuality. Because Catherine Shamal, everything that she's doing sexually, and she's nude and she's wow. perform, having these sexual acts, and she's in she's in ownership of her body. She crossed her legs. She's not wearing underwear. And the problem is with wow. Sharon Stone. If you look at what was coming out of time, the problem was with Sharon Stone's sexuality. Which if you look at it now, there's not a problem with Sharon Stone's sexuality. There's a problem with the men and how they're garing at her sexuality. That's the problem. But Paul Verhoeven said that he wanted to make this movie because he goes, and they go, well, you know, you're you're from you're from you're from Europe, and he goes, yeah, but he goes' We're, our country wasn't found by a bunch of Puritans. Yeah.
1: True. I don't think anybody's puritanical. I, I think mean, everybody's doing it. Nobody wants to talk about well,
0: it. Well, I, I think things have changed now. I mean, we're looking... At, we got to look at these... If you look at 1992, America was ex- becoming extremely and extremely conservative again. Because if you look at your horror films, if you look at, you know, your, you know, your Friday the 13th or your Nightmare on Elm Street or even your Halloween films, if you notice all your kill scenes are becoming more conservative. Everything's becoming more conservative. You notice everything's being pulled back. And then you get basic instinct that's like punching you in the face now, sort of thing. Where it's like, this is all in your face. And this movie kind of like, kind of blew open a door here. And of course we got a lot of erotic thrillers that kind of paled like Body of Evidence with Madonna, William Dafoe, which once you see that, I don't think you can ever unsee that again. And of course we saw, you know, Bruce Willis, a small penis floating around in the bath, in in the in the color of night. Oh <laughs> You know, Jane, Jane Marsh, and You just think there was something like, well, you know, you might not want to show that Bruce. <laughs> you got you now have a mushroom. Now we can un, we can't undo seeing that little um little toadstool mushroom that we just saw. So, yeah. but we had a lot of imitations after this. But the thing is, but the reason why I think Basic Instinct is what we're still talking about because it hits you in the face like double identity hits you in the face with the sleeves and everything like that, because it's the first, but everything kind of pales next to it.
2: Yeah, it's all the, it's all the subtext of Verhoeven, which, you know, like you said, he, as an outsider who comes into American culture, he kind of does hit us where it hurts. I think that is a big right. part of it.
0: Yeah. And we don't appreciate it at the time. I mean, I don't, I remember when RoboCop came out, we didn't really appreciate the set satir- the the, you know, we love the violence, we love the movie, but we didn't really, we didn't really quite understand the ads in the middle of it, you know, like, you know, the atomic war game, you know, nuclear, all the other stuff. And I buy that for a dollar, which basically that ended up becoming like, you know, later on, you know, 10 years later, that kind of stuff is kind of what we kind of started experiencing on our television sets. You know, I buy you, I buy that for a dollar. It was basically this. Jerry Springer, wasn't it? When you think back on it, the exploits on you know Jerry Springer that were getting kind of paid into that later on that we got. Right. If you look at to- look, Total recall sort of thing, you know that's about you know corp- Amer- you know about American corporations taking over our minds and taking over our lives and dictating to us. Which now that we're looking at is it, like, ooh, there's a bit of truth to this now. Or the militaryism that they find in um, Starship Troopers or. You know, now we're just like, oh, okay. Or showgirls basically is about you know you need to fuck your way to get to the top. Here or you're not going to get to where you're going. Right. That's what showgirls is about. Then when here we are now in 2022, it's like, ooh, actually, there's a bit of truth to all this now. You know, but we didn't like it at the time, did we? It's like, oh no. <laughs> so, so it's interesting. So what about your thoughts Joe anything you would like to add to basic instinct uh
2: only that it's uh, it, like, like double indemnity it's one of the better ones of its kind like I don't think it's as good as like sea of love or there's a few others that I that I like more than this mm. um but I absolutely love basic instinct though um I I guess it it really yeah I, I didn't think of it going in the way you did which is it's not so much a murder mystery as much as it's watching somebody maybe get away with murder. It's giving me a, a reason to watch it yet again now. Um, Cause I did not put that together. And I don't know if it's just my, my mind not being where, where it should be the last couple of days. Cause I've been sick or if it's, but yeah, I kind of want to. Once everything's yeah. kind of firing again, I kind of want to rewatch Basic Instinct again yeah, and see if I have can have see it. that part of it. Because I was watching it last night looking for uh, confirmation that Jane Triplehorn's a killer. I told you that there is problem with that. Tell mm-hmm. I told you. Maybe that's what I need to. Uh, maybe I need to go and uh, go and rewatch it with the uh, with this new mindset now. Mm.
0: I mean, I, I kind of, you know, I kind of look at it the same way I did with um, other films of this kind of ilk. So it's like American Psycho. I look at American Psycho because you know that he's the killer, sort of thing. So when I looked at it from that mindset, it made a bit more. And that came out what a couple years later, didn't it? Yeah. American Psycho come out?
2: Yeah, it came out like two thousand, I think, or close yeah. To that. So we're looking oh, at yeah.
0: about about eight years later, sort of thing. So, so I kind of looked at it from that point of view, sort of thing. So. Well, I guess what we'll do is we'll rate it. So Vix, what do you get rate Basic Instinct?
1: It's definitely worth a five. I think it is. Um, I, it, it It's just really hardcore and the actors in it, regardless of how bad their their character is, they really play their character well. Sharon Stone did a great job. Uh, Michael Douglas does a great job at being a total wanker. So, um yeah, that definitely gets a five. Just just because it keeps you wondering, and I mean, it starts right off hitting the hitting the road running. I mean, it's just massive sex scene followed by an ice pick to the eyeball. Can't beat it.
0: What about stuff, Joe?
2: Um, probably four four and a half. Uh, like Vicky said, there's uh, well, v- Vicky's text while she was watching it. Which was uh, basically this isn't so much about women being evil as it is about men being stupid. I think was uh, <laughs> yeah,
1: well, it was. That <laughs> kind
2: of sums it up.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I like these this men movie. are dumb. I watched both of them back to back, and the only common theme through it is these men were just being suckers. I'm just like, I know men aren't that stupid.
2: Well, the, the only, the only, the only man I could say wasn't an idiot in either one of these two movies is Edward G. Robinson.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: Mm-hmm. Him and the uh, cop,
1: his cop friend, Michael Douglas's friend, the cop. He wasn't an idiot either. He kind of knew what was going on, kinda, kind there of, sorta. There a day,
2: lot of yeah. people kind of warning him. She's fucking with your head. Be careful. Yeah. She's fucking with your head. Be careful. There are a lot of people warning him. Um, overall, yeah, I, I like it. It's one of my favorite Verhoeven movies. Um,
4: you have to watch the second of, one.
1: He didn't do the second one, did he? No, he didn't. No.
4: Okay.
2: Uh, Michael Caton Jones from uh, City by the Sea, and um, what else? There was another. uh, He he directed quite a few movies. He directed it. Um, Overall, yeah, I I do like it. It's one of one of my uh, one of I think Verhoeven's better movies. I don't think it's as good as like RoboCop, but it's no, it's Mm -hmm. still just great. It's still just an excellent Mm -hmm. movie, an excellent erotic thriller that that you know really does work. I you know. Watching the Siskel and Ebert review, I totally disagree with them on this. I think that there is a setup for uh you know for for the idea of it being Jane Triplehorn. But now Keith sent me going in the other direction. I'm gonna have to watch
1: this again now to to figure that out. I mean, I'm get oh, some... Ebert don't like anything though. Oh. Have you ever known them to really like anything?
0: Mm, I mean, considering the guy wrote, you know, Ebert did write Beyond the Valley of the Dolls, it's kind of like mm, kettle black. But <laughs> But I mean, um, but they're—I mean—they're I mean, they're very conservative anyway. I mean, they were very they were very conservative. You know, they really didn't like anything that kind of pushed any kind of envelopes. I mean, they were quite fine with a Spielberg film
1: right. sort of
0: thing if it—if it was family, you know, if it was family oriented. But God forbid if there's anything that was that kind of was trying to punch through. I think they even had a problem with Angel Heart as well, which they found that a bit too much.
4: They for did. Them. They
1: thought it was sexualization, in yeah, in its form.
0: You know, and they couldn't understand why um, why Robert De Niro would do a film like that, even though it's an Alan Parker film, and Alan Parker right. is very, very respected. But um, so, I mean, for Face Against Thing, I'm gonna give it a five star. Um, I think there's three main characters in this film, though: Michael Douglas, Sharon Stone, and Jerry Goldsmith. Fantastic score. Yes,
2: we never talked about his score, which is amazing.
0: Mm, I mean, he you can tell that he's basically just got the soul of Bernard Her- Herman flowing through him. And I love how Paul Verhoeven, I think, you know, he's never said this, but I think this, this is his nod to Brian De Palma and to Alfred Hitchcock as well. It could
1: be with it, Alfred Hitchcock, for sure. I could definitely see, well, I could
2: definitely see with De Palma
0: too. Yeah, because it just reminds me of like obsession and you know. Um, blown away it has that kind of you know or body double you know that kind it of it has that body double it. theme yeah
1: feel to it yeah
0: and it, and I think that if Alfred Hitchcock was alive he probably would have made this film If he, he probably would have optioned something like this off if he could get away with
1: probably it probably
0: so in 1992 so So that brings us to the end of the literature lessons Podcast. Next week will be Christmas month. So of course, what we do during Christmas, we kind of break away from our tradition. So next, um, Eminem will be Eating Raul and Cannibal the Musical. Um, and of course, um, our books to screen will be continuing with We Have Always Lived in the Castle, which is um, the Shirley Jackson novel. And we'll be covering the film from 2019. And of course, our, we, we will be continuing our Batman animated series and our doctor who with the eve the edge of destruction is the storyline that we're covering for doctor who and of course our make remake will be the classic west side <coughs> story from 1963 and 61 sorry 1961 west side story from 1961 and the remake from 2021 so it was good night for myself good night vix
1: good night everybody happy holidays
0: <laughs> Good night, Joe. Good night,
4: everyone. Ah, we'll
3: see you next ah, week. We'll ah, be at ah, ah, I say let us put man and a woman together to find out which one is smarter. <laughs> Some say men, but I say no. The women got the men, be, they should know, not me. Some people they say that the men are leading the women astray But I say that the women of today Smarter than the man in every way That's right, the woman is smarter That's right, the woman is smarter That's right, the woman is smarter That's right, that's right uh, ever since the world began woman was always teaching man to hey, listen to my bit attentively, I'm going to tell you how she's smarter than he had had me cannot not But they say that the men are leading the women astray, but I say that the women of today, smarter than the man in every way. Samson was the strongest man long ago. No one as we all know Until he clashed with Delilah On top of the bed She told him all the strength Was in the hair of his head And at me But the people, they say That the men are leading The women astray But I say That the women of today Smart breath and the man In every way That's right The woman is Smart oh, That's right The woman is Smart cow. Cow. that's, right. Smart cow. Cow. that's right. right, that's right, that's right. Hey, you meet a girl at a pretty dance, thinking that you would stand a chance. Take her home thinking she's alone. Open the door. You find her husband home, not me. But the people they say that the men are leaving. But I say that we mean of today Smarter than the man in every way That's right, the human is uh, smarter That's right, the human is uh, smarter That's right, the human is uh, smarter That's right, that's right I was treating a girl independently She was making baby for me When the baby born and I went to see Eyes was blue Sure It was not by me, not me But the people they say That the men are leading the women astray But I say that the women of today Smarter than the man in every way Oh yes, smarter